Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight I am talking with my friend from the Leftover Army, Neil Tholander. What's up, man? Uh, you know, man, <laughs> not a whole lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm out here in California where it's, you know, not terrible. It rained for the first time in a few weeks yesterday, which was nice. But yeah, you know, just doing my podcast and guesting on fucking everybody else's so. <laughs> yeah i've been seeing you pop up in my uh my itunes a lot lately that's awesome <laughs> I, know, <right? laughs> I just got to record with uh, the scenic cast crew uh, oh, last I love those weekend guys. yeah yeah that was super fun brooke was on there as well it was a good time we, <laughs> the movies themselves that we watched i didn't like any of them but uh, <laughs> it was still a fun conversation. <laughs> That's always fun when it goes like that. When you're like watching the movie and you're like, mm, I'm going to be the voice of dissent on this one. Let's see how many people are with me. Yeah, I was all alone. <laughs> no, nobody agreed with me. <laughs> it's funny because like I had reviewed two of them the week before on on PCL. So, and on that case, Brian and I had both agreed basically on everything. So it's a real <laughs> funny, like changeover. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and the the podcast you're doing is Smorgasbord. Correct. Yeah, Star Trek Universe podcast. That is awesome. Yeah, I'm. Um, I've got to subscribe to it, but I haven't started listening to them yet. But I, I yeah, got him on my radar to do. It, it's it's a recap, rehash, discussion show for um, – we started with Lower Decks, and now we're doing the season three of Discovery. So if you, if you don't watch the shows, I mean, you can still listen to it, but <laughs> – So it is more uh, of like we, a show like show recap? Yeah, yeah. We go scene by scene and talk about it and talk about the themes that come up and – you know, our predictions for what's going to happen next and just kind of our feelings on that particular episode and the story as it's progressing as a whole. Um, doing that with Stephen Farshid, and it's been a lot of fun. We're actually um, going to interview one of the actors next week. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I got I got to briefly meet uh, Steve at C2E2, I think. And, um, yeah. And I've heard him on other, other podcasts also. I listened to the the crossover you guys did with movies from the heart. I thought that was great. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. talking oh, with shit. Paul Hart's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Was, and, and also it was like, when you guys were just like this, so now we're just shooting the shit and it's like, and you are, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've done two movies from the heart episodes with Paul and he and I, basically we just use it as an excuse now to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some great conversations with Paul in the past. I love that guy. and He's so good. It was such a treat getting to meet him in person finally at this last C2E2. Yeah, for sure. He's such, he's such a warm, caring, giving human being. I, I just love the guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a really good guy. Um, uh, C2E2 ended up being even more of a treat because it was like, you know, the last thing we all got to do really before all this shit just went sideways yeah. i mean <laughs> we were even making jokes about it while we were there about getting trapped <laughs> it wasn't that far from the truth <laughs> i know you know i mean wow hindsight's 2020 right <laughs> i don't think we'll ever be able to say that again <laughs> hmm. 
2020. Yeah, what fuck. a clusterfuck of a year, man. Jesus Christ. It's one thing after another, man. It's really laid the soul of this country bare and found very, very wanting. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All the stuff in the bigger picture that, like, really took place on the national stage. And then, mm-hmm. oh, wow. And then also just, I mean, personally, it was such a bad year for so many people. I know for me, like, I've never had so much anxiety and depression in my life as I had in this year. And I know lots yeah. and lots of people are feeling that. And it's just, man, and then you add in an authoritarian fucking regime in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> which is still trying to pull off the lamest coup attempt ever. Oh, I've kind of still been following that also. And basically like the Supreme court was just like, nah, we're just throwing this out. (laughs) This is stupid. Stop Uh, it. (laughs) Well, and then every single one of those fucking GOP people that are still like backing this, like none of them should be reelected. It's like you, you, you're going to go back and and it's absolutely spineless fucking bootlickers. And you're going to go back and and run for office on, under a system that you're now trying to invalidate and claim doesn't work. Yeah, Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me so mad. I'm feeling a lot of that same anger that you are. So (laughs) we're on the same page here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I know we briefly, briefly talked about uh, a little bit of that, had a drunken conversation outside that bar in Chicago <laughs> where we were talking about that a little bit. So I know we're kind of on the same page and, and I see you post a lot of political stuff, you know, online. And um, that was actually one of the things I had an agenda to ask you about because you're, you're one of those people that proudly proclaims as like a socialist. And that's yeah. one of those things to where, you know, I think depending on what part of the country you grow up in and, and what your education system was like, it could run the gamut from, way off to to a, a slight smidgen of truth but but i've always liked like the the like especially you look like the scandinavian european models where it's mm-hmm. like they seem to put their tax money to good use and they have a high quality of life there and i don't see why that doesn't work here <laughs> so. well we're so enamored by this military industrial complex that has been a huge part of lining these billionaires pockets for decades and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and then when you have all these these huge companies outsourcing all the labor to make cheap goods there's no longer a, 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 a workforce that can afford to buy anything other than the cheap stuff you know and when wages don't increase with inflation as they haven't um then people are left in the cold i mean I was reading an article that was talking about uh, TV in the 50s and how the the norm was, you know, you had your house, you had your family, you had a car, you uh, there was a, usually one person who worked and they worked from like nine to five and that was totally normal because it was more of the norm in this country when wages were high compared to prices and now that seems so anachronistic and out of place because you have people working two, three jobs, both people in a family who are trying to basically just raise a family. And it's, it's, it's insanity that we have moved so far away from that. And now that seems like the unattainable goal, which was the, the standard of American living, not, not that long ago. 
you know it's just oh god it's, it's so frustrating and infuriating yeah it's it's super fucked up i i've said for years like a you know a, a yearly raise that's just based on like a cost of living adjustment it's like that's not really a raise at all in the grand scheme of things because if everything else around you went up three percent then you're exactly where you were before you know like and yeah. for a lot of people in america that's like you know they're tilting their head back and they're doing everything they can to keep their nose up above the water level just to keep yeah. breathing and they're on their tiptoes man <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. And especially like you know because so many industries have been forced to close because of this pandemic, um, it's really showing just how much, how, how little of a, of a safety net we have in the, in this country. I mean, my, my job is kaput. There, I don't, there is none. I, I, I worked uh, as a lighting and sound technician for events. And when you can't have more than 10 people in a room, you can't have an event. <laughs> that you're going to pay thousands of dollars for. So it, it's like that industry is completely gone right now. And luckily I have a, a personal safety net. My, my my dad is a general contractor and we're rebuilding from our fire damage from three years ago. So he needed help in the office. And then uh, his bookkeeper shattered her wrist in June. So I ended up having to take over that job. And so I've been doing okay but there's so many people who don't have that privilege and that luxury to fall back on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my job's one of those ones where um, it, it wasn't really affected by the the pandemic. It, um, I do an office job, and so I was able to just transition to working from home, and that's been kind of fine. But for a lot of people, they weren't that lucky. And no. and and the fact that the the government helped us out with one twelve hundred dollar <laughs> check, which is oh now like God. less than four dollars per person probably, and yeah. they managed to find trillions of dollars for for all these companies that then turned around and laid off workers anyway. And yeah, and, it, and I, we have these billionaires increasing their wealth exponentially throughout this, without giving anything back to the the people who are making that possible. It's 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 a it's a fuck system. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's working. Ex it's working how it's supposed to, but yes. which is the problem? <laughs> exactly. Well, in 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 when they say trickle down economics, it's like okay. Well, if all the top <laughs> tiers right now have like basically throughout this pandemic, I read an article the other day that the top billionaires in the United States have increased their wealth by like a billion dollars during this. Yeah. And so it's like okay, the rich are getting exponentially richer. Um, okay, Reagan, why isn't this fucking trickle-down economics working? <laughs> it's because if you already have a shitload of money and you have everything you can feasibly want, the next thing you're going to do is you're just going to start piling that money and sitting on it and moving it around and doing that sort of shit. You're not going to put it back into the economy. I, I, I'm a big believer that, that trickle-up e economics is a real thing. Whereas if you were to take all these people – that need money and need to buy shit and give them a bunch of money. Like if you, if the, if the government just gave me a fuck ton of money right now, I'd put new windows in my house, you know, like I, I do all sorts yeah. of shit. I'd, I'd immediately turn around, put it right back into the fucking economy. And so, I mean, like you yeah, said I mean, though, it's how... working the way it should because the rich are getting richer. Exactly. I mean, I've always likened billionaires to dragons just sitting on these vast sums of, of wealth and, and not doing anything with it. Whereas, 
uh, I mean, Henry Ford was an early pioneer of this. He paid his workers a lot higher wages so they could afford to buy the cars that they were making, which in turn made the company do better. I mean, that, that, that seems like a very basic concept to me is in order for an economy to function, you have to have people spending the money and recirculating that capital throughout the entire system rather than just it going away and not being taxed. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like they, they you, you throw the you get these people with a ton of money and they put it offshore so that the IRS can't get to it. And it's not even helping anybody except for themselves. It's really oh, it's so selfish and, and, and evil. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to is that there there is that little capability for fault, like in every single human heart. There's there's the capability to do, you know, great, beautiful, empathetic things. And then there's the capability to do absolutely selfish, horrible shit. And and that darker side of the human condition is what I believe ruins, like ruins society as a whole, because we have like this capability within ourselves to help each other out and actually make like, you know, not to sound too hippy dippy, but really make like a heaven on earth. It just takes yeah. everybody helping each other out, but like the 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 petty bullshit that that comes with being a person just fucking gets in the way, and it's it, it's got to yeah. be the biggest mistake that constantly gets repeated over and over again in human history and holds us back. Oh yeah, and then there's this added element of American exceptionalism that's been so ingrained in us for our entire lives, basically since. We came in and won World War II. We've always thought that we were better than everybody else, and our way was the best way. And so when anybody else had something that was working that was different, it was like a slap in our, in, in our face. So we had to go destroy it. And, and like our overseas interventions have really screwed up the world. It's I mean it caused what what happened with with terrorism in in people attacking the western era areas and like oh there's just so many things that well how gone. couldn't it man i mean like yeah. you take me just like a, a normal you know dude living in the midwest i got a family i'm just going to work every day just doing my thing just trying to live and have a good life if just a missile all of a sudden comes out of the sky and kills my family <laughs> Yeah. All of a sudden, I just became radicalized against something that's on the other side of the world that previously I didn't need to have anything against. And so that's yeah. that's one thing I absolutely agree with, that we shouldn't be the world police. And, no. and, and if now we're the world police because there's so many people out to get us, it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't have done all this fucking heinous shit because none of people are out to get us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean – that movie team america world world police was pretty fucking on the nose wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) well as the south park guys usually are you know i mean they got that biting social commentary where Mm -hmm. you know they they have this great capability to to make things funny and and ridiculous but then at the end of the day you sit and look at you like oh shit that's that's right And that's what makes it even funnier is because it is true. <laughs> like it's that that real dark sense of humor that I think most of us have. Yeah. That uh, that just really it speaks to you because yeah, it's true. It's fucked up. Let's laugh about it so we don't cry. <laughs> yeah, I noticed they made Twitter really really upset when they they did the special with uh, basically Macho Man Randy Savage being the 
the the trans athlete. Oh really? I don't know I if you saw that one. Oh years, my yeah, no. it was like basically they were like interviewing a lady and saying, "Oh, so you're going to be competing against so and so and you know, she's a trans athlete and the and then the lady's like, "Well, you know, I don't think you should even say that. It doesn't matter." And then it's like legit macho man Randy Savage comes on. <laughs> And it's like, so you transitioned two weeks ago. He's like, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about I'm going to crush the competition. And so, yeah, I mean, Twitter wasn't happy about it, but the, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that episode might have raised some interesting questions, but yeah, <laughs> nothing mean, I'm about to tweet about. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like, and that's and that's one thing that, like, for my Twitter use, I try and stay in my own lane. Like, I, I don't. I'll talk about the stuff and tweet about the stuff that I actually have personal experience with or I know about. Um, but when it comes to like uh, the black experience or the trans experience uh, or any of the LGBTQIA plus people, um, I don't, I don't speak at all about it. I listen and then I try and amplify those voices that do know what they're talking about because I have no idea. It's not, within my wheelhouse so i don't want to speak about something that i don't understand fully you know no that's absolutely how i look at it too is that you know i come from a place where i just want to see everybody get along i want to see yeah you know it's kindness is absolutely free and it mm -hmm. reaps huge benefits because you know every time that i've been a dick <laughs> like when i'm like calm down <laughs> later you know like i've gone from the hulk and now i'm back to banner and I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, you know, I, sh yeah. I could have done a lot better there every single time, yeah. almost, you know? Yeah, same here. Same here, man. And and that's got to yeah, mean you know? something. That, that's got to mean yeah. that, you know, that's that that little voice in the back of your head telling you you fucked up. Number one, it's good because, it's, hey, congrats, you're not a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's always a plus, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be good to find out, well, okay, good. I'm capable of empathy. <laughs> God, it, you know, I was thinking the other day, we need to have some sort of sociopath test. And if you can't pass the sociopath test, you don't get to hold public office because I mean, I think that's honestly how we get to where we are right now is that there's people in office that care more about lining their own pockets than actually like upholding oh, the yeah. oath that they take. They took when they went into office. Yeah, no matter what the letter next to your name is, there's sociopaths who are in the in, whose sole interests are the people that paid for them to get to office in the first place. Yeah, I mean, getting getting money out of politics is a would be a huge step in the right direction. Um, that Citizens United des decision uh, a few years ago was just the tipping point of what had already been happening, and it just made it exponentially worse. Uh, and like ranked choice voting needs to be a thing. I mean, there's so many steps that are easy to accomplish, but they have so many people in power standing against them um, because it won't make them money. <laughs> well, and also, you know, that's that's like how they, they keep saying, you know, we need to have more parties in here than the two-party system, but those two parties won't let the others into the club because yeah. they know it's yeah. just going to reduce their own power. And that's that shit's gross. I, I think that we need more parties. I think we need term limits for these people. I don't think anybody in their damn 80s should be holding public office. No. Even even somebody who I deeply admire, Bernie Sanders, he's too old. He needs to go you know, live on his 
farm in, in Vermont and not have to worry about this shit anymore, you know? Yeah, at some point you got to go enjoy the fruits of your labor. Um, yeah. And also, I firmly believe if you spend too much time holding office, then how can you relate to the people that are – how can you relate to your constituents? You can't. You know, because you're living a life that is fucking bizarre at that point. And yeah. furthermore, I'm tell me what you think of this idea, Neil. If you hold if you're either a congressman or a senator, your salary is gonna be the median income of your constituents. That's a great idea. That's what you have would. to live off of. You represent that, poor people. Yeah. You know, welcome to your apartment, yeah. dude. <laughs> Welcome to your yeah, apartment. But, you know, be sure and take a quarter with you to Aldi's. Or you're not going to be able to get a cart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, how else are you going to craft laws for people unless you know how they're living? Yeah, that's a, that's a great fucking idea, man. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you're totally right. I, I mean, <laughs> I've always liked that idea. They'd never vote for idea. it because the, 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 right there it'd oh, be, oh, oh. Well, we're going to vote against our own self-interest. It's like, no, you're going to vote. In a manner that's going to actually make you empathetic to the people that, that you're serving. I mean, and like that I'll, will actually help the people that you are were elected to help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, for for all the people that hate AOC, the thing that I absolutely love about AOC is that she was a bartender <laughs> before she did this stuff. She actually knew, what, like, she's got a closer connection to what it felt like to be out there. And oh yeah, you look at Cory Bush too, who just got elected. Uh, She's she's from uh, St. Louis, I believe. Um, she was she was one of the founding members of the of the Black Lives Matter movement in um, Fer when Ferguson happened, and she's she's been minimum wage for her almost her entire life. So she understands exactly what people are going through on a daily basis, and that is it's really important to have those voices. Yeah, yeah, that old boys club in Washington definitely needs to be shaken up. Oh yeah. Uh, so did you um, did you see that thing on Twitter with Michael Rapoport uh, reacting to to Trump uh, losing the election? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Michael Rapoport's hilarious. Okay, so. okay, here you go. It's over. You fuck. You fucking lost. You fucking lost. And I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why you lost. Because your stupid wife, your dumb fucking daughters, your two fucking baboon, dumb fucking sons, they won't <laughs> tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you why you lost. The reason why you lost is because you're a cocksucker. Okay? You're a <laughs> cocksucker. All right? You're a lying, conniving, deceitful cocksucker. <laughs> It goes for like three minutes or so, and it's fucking beautiful. Oh, God. That's hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's oh, like, man. you know, so many days later, and he just keeps fucking fighting it. Uh, like yeah. all these fucking lawsuits and shit. Ugh. It's <sighs> insane. <laughs> Damn, I got to tell you, I feel good every time I listen to that thing. <laughs> It's cathartic. It is. I need to make it my fucking like morning ringtone so my alarm goes <laughs> off in the morning. Clock. Wake up, you <laughs> cocksucker. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. That's oh, hilarious. shit. I don't mean to keep talking about the election, but. <laughs> <laughs>
it's it's because he won't he won't get over it, you know. It, and this last desperate grasp of power is is like it's what I expected, but it, it's 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 somehow sadder than I thought it was going to be. Like, oh yeah, it, it just, it's just it's disgusting and sad and and. Uh, well, it's funny, like, you know, go back to just a few minutes ago when we were talking about American exceptionalism, and then that's, yeah. what, that's what the world stage gets to see, is, is yeah. this this guy with, with orange skin and fucking <laughs> thick hair acting uh, like a giant man baby, and it's, yeah. and there's people yeah, that have flags. In, <laughs> our standing in the world has been significantly diminished. Uh, rightfully so, because I mean, he did get elected. So well, he did. He he turned us into the fucking Jerry Springer show. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. or like, if not turned us into it, like definitely just like exposed exacerbated it. it. it yeah. Exacerbated. That is the right word for it. Yeah. Well, <sighs> and we even saw it coming in the primaries. You know, he turned that into a fucking circus, and all the establishment Republicans were so anti-Trump. And then as soon as he won, they started kissing his ass. And it's, oh yeah. It was that was I think the most disturbing thing for me was seeing these people just completely abandon any sense of moral uh, certitude and, and just completely go up the butt of this uh, con man, this lying grifter who's been a lying grifter con man his entire life, and just they purport to be the moral majority when they have no fucking morals. What what the hell are we even talking about anymore? It's ridiculous yeah yeah no and i'm 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 keenly aware of that living in iowa because like our governor our governor was one of the bigger bootlickers and what was it just like a handful of weeks ago finally passed a mask mandate Ugh. yeah dude fucking cedar rapids iowa was marked as like one of the hot spots in the world and it's like are you fucking serious wow that's ah, it's, it's disappointing <laughs> yeah that's that's a way of putting it (laughs) disappointed (laughs) and we can be disappointed in that guy also from his twitter takes (laughs) that sound drop has a whole new quality now (laughs) oh man oh shit (sighs) um dude did you expect to see as many of those shows dropping as as what the shit. news that we got yesterday? That blew my fucking mind. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> that was insane. <laughs> like, oh my god, we got what was it? Ten new new Star Wars properties, and then like fourteen new Marvel things. Like, it's a lot of fuck? stuff, man. <laughs> Like I was going through the list because I, I Screen Rant had a list of all sixty-one movies and TV shows that they had announced, and I was going through it and just like screenshotting ones. And after like the twelfth screenshot, I was like, "Fuck it, I'll just bookmark the list." <laughs> <laughs> um, do you watch American Horror Stories at all? I don't. Um, I had held off on them for a long time, and then my wife's really into horror, and so she's had me watch like a few select seasons. But then this next season that's going to come up is. Usually each season is like a standalone to where it's not connected to the other seasons, really. I mean, it's somewhat, you know, there's some of them that kind of touch each other. 
But like this next one where it's like every single episode is going to be a standalone, which I thought would be pretty oh. easy or pretty, pretty interesting. It's going to be, um, huh? So it'd be like hour long episodes of a self-contained story. Yeah. Each episode is going to be st- uh, 16 standalone episodes focused on horror myths, legends, and lore. That's kind of a cool concept. Yeah, and I was I was telling my wife last night, I was like, I wonder when they're ever going to do a werewolf one, because they've yet to do anything with werewolves. <laughs> but man, I, I've just, um, not too long ago, I rewatched Monster Squad, because we were uh, covering Wolfman's Got Nards on PCL, <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I gotta go back and revisit Monster Squad, and like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about how good the practical effects on the Wolfman in that movie were. Nice. I never <laughs> saw Monster Squad. Oh, it's such a wonderful movie, man. I think you'd really, really love it. It's like... um, Is that oh, with Fred Savage? Uh, no, that's uh, Little Monsters is probably what you're thinking. Oh, okay. With yeah, Fred Savage and Howie Mandel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you see that Noah Hawley's going to be heading up an Alien series? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a Fox Hulu show. Whoa. Yeah, that fucking blew my mind. Um, I've heard Fargo's really good. I've never watched that, but I loved um, uh, what he did with the Legion. Yeah, Legion was great. I, I, I watched the first two seasons of Fargo. I really loved him. I just never, for some reason, I didn't go back. But, yeah, I, I really like his stuff. And, and Legion, I I didn't watch the third season, but I love I liked the first two a lot, too. Yeah, see, I just watched the the first season with Legion. I never went in and watched the second one, but that first season was so good. Um, Mm -hmm. I think when it was, when it was originally coming out, I think I had to pay for a subscription to something to be able to watch it. And then when the second season dropped, I wasn't subscribed to it anymore. So I think I have to go Uh, back and find it at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, isn't a lot of that stuff on Hulu now? Cause they have the whole FX on Hulu thing. See, that's probably where I could go find it now. Yeah. I just run into the... I'm sure I'll step on that bottle cap in the middle of the night. That'll feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I bounced right oh, off the tip of my hand and rolled. <laughs> bottle caps and Legos. Uh, late night friends. Oh, my God, dude. My kids have so many Legos. It, like, it, like it's, I've had so many conversations with my wife where I'm like, I know they're asking for Legos but they're not going to treat them like Legos. They're going to treat it like it's a toy. So just buy them the toy. <laughs> because otherwise, Christmas morning, you're going to spend six hours, you know, putting together that dope-ass fucking Hulkbuster armor. And then two weeks from now, it's going to be a bunch of red pieces all over the floor that we're going to step on. It's like, just get them a Hulkbuster toy. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this I still I still occasionally buy like a small little Lego f- thing for myself to build. I, w- I always really, really enjoyed building Legos. I w- that was what I got for Christmas pretty much every year. I had a shitload you know, when I was a kid too. I loved them. Yeah, I- I'd build the th- thing from the directions first, you know, mess around with it for a little bit. Then, it w- then all the pieces got broken up and went <laughs> into a bin. Unless it was something that I really, really liked, and it- and so I had these giant bins of just. All the pieces. I kept all the instructions in a Manila folder too. Oh, nice! Um, You're organized. <laughs> yeah, and that, that that was partially because of my parents. They, you know, they. I always had to make sure they were back in the box when I was done playing with them. I couldn't leave them out. And whenever I got done building it, the instructions went in the folder so that if I ever wanted to build it again, I could. 
That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I usually never rebuilt the things, but <laughs> I had a lot of pieces to fuck around with. Yeah, I remember I built some giant spaceship thing, and I was so proud of it, and it took so fucking long. And then one day I was, you know, I was out playing with it, and I fucking tripped, dropped it, mm-hmm. went into a million pieces, and never got put back together because <laughs> I did not have a Manila folder. <laughs> Um, did you ever play with like Lincoln Logs when you were a kid? Yeah, I did actually. Um, well, sort of, because my dad had them when he was a kid, and he loved those things. And he had taken it upon himself to glue his creations together as a child. <laughs> nice. Uh, I mean, he's a contractor now, so go figure, right? That makes sense. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, yeah. So there were some pieces that i could i could mess around with but about half of them were completely glued together and i didn't break them <laughs> apart or anything <laughs> my uncle's a woodworker and when i was a kid he built me a custom set of lincoln logs oh, nice. where there was like some of them that were like you know maybe 18 inches long and then all the way down to oh, like nice. six inches or so so you could make these buildings that were like legit just like humongous and um the whole collection was so big i had to like keep it in uh, one of those like cardboard barrels like you'd seen like a warehouse or something you know with like the the, like tension lid the like band that like strapped back down onto it (laughs) as far as i know it's still up overhead in my dad's garage nice actually knowing him he's that's probably gone i think i think the weekend i bought my house he showed up with a bunch of totes (laughs) he's like you keep this in your garage now (laughs) oh you got the space now here you go And they've probably been up in the rafters up overhead in my garage since 2006. So at this point, it's like, why do you keep this stuff? (laughs) Get a dumpster. Is that one off chance that you're going to want to see it again? Yeah, I know, right? Oh, my God. I I know for sure one of those boxes is, um, you know those really heavy-duty boxes that you can get, like, a case of glass beer bottles in? And, like, the top of it, like, almost opens um, like it opens in the middle. So like both sides yeah. open up. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one of those. that's just filled with old keepsake stuff that was in like all the shelves in my bedroom. Nice. I think the last time I was up overhead in my garage, I was, um, yeah, I got, I got, um, do you remember those, uh, Marvel trading cards that they had in the nineties? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, all of a sudden I got obsessed with wanting to find the, uh, three ring binder that had all my Marvel cards in it. And so I did like a mission impossible <laughs> thing and went up overhead in my garage, crawling around in the rafters, looking in all these totes, never did find it. And then a few months later, oh, I found no. it by accident. And I'm like, Jesus, that's totally how it always works. <laughs> every time my kids are upset and they're like in tears, they can't find something. I'm like, just forget about it. I'm like, in a few days when you're not looking for it, you'll find it accidentally. <laughs> That's how these things work. It's a weird sort of magic. I can't explain it. It totally is a weird sort of magic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. The the other series I saw coming out that I'm really stoked on is Shogun. Oh, yeah? Yeah. um, I never actually read the book for Shogun, but I read another book called Shike that, like, Critically, people said that it was really similar to, to Shogun in that it like it's this big expansive series and it takes place in feudal Japan. 
Um, and so I've always wanted to read Shogun, but the fact that the book is like two of the later Harry Potter books put together. And so yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not picking that up. I don't, I don't have time to read a paperback. That's like the thickness of like, <laughs> you know, like half a brick wall. I, I did read Shogun when I was in high school. Um, that, there was another book in that series that I read as well. I can't remember the name of it. But I was thinking I, that there was, was a sequel to it. My dad's a huge reader, and so that was one of those books that he was always telling me I needed to read growing up, but I never got around to it. Mm-hmm. And I remember liking it. And like I was in I took jujitsu for twelve years when I was growing 12 up. Twelve years, no shit. Yeah, um, and then my my sensei and I were planning a trip to Japan when I was uh, must have been fifteen or sixteen. Uh, we ended up not going, but I really got into like learning Japanese and reading a lot of Japanese history and stuff. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, like <laughs> how, how far did you get in jujitsu? Like how far did you like proceed? Like in like the belt range or whatever? I was a second degree brown belt when I stopped. No shit. Yeah, and I only stopped because I moved away for school, and I just, you know, fell out of practice, and then uh, when I eventually came back, I had gotten into a really serious accident, and, you know, I was a dumb kid, a lot of, you know, drinking and drugs and whatnot, so I just fell out of it, and I just have never gone back. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to jiu-jitsu, uh, yeah, I tried jiu-jitsu, but, like, uh-huh. I've always been able to, like, put different parts of my body like out of joint at will mm. and i found that that does not pair well with rolling in jiu-jitsu <laughs> it doesn't pair well at all resetting yourself <laughs> well like that and like the it was like a continuing education class like through a local community college and so uh, the class was just in like a it's like a local elementary school's cafeteria <laughs> and so we just had like you know, those shitty pads that you'd see in elementary school that were like the blue and red pads wow. that would like fold together and then they would have Velcro on the ends to like hook yep. to the next one in line. So that's what they had for the padding. And it was just all being hosted by uh, the teacher was the guy who trains the Cedar Rapids Police Department in defense. Oh, wow. And all of his instructors were just off-duty cops that were helping. And I had oh, some no. fucking rage head that some fucking psycho that probably shouldn't be a cop. And I think he was trying to, um, impress the, the, the girl that I was paired up with. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. Talk about this is like one of the most uncomfortable days of my life. (laughs) So me and my friend, Nick and my other friend, Nick, we go to this fucking thing and we're like, yeah, cause we're all big UFC fans and we watch pride and stuff all the time. And like, we'd watch like the jujitsu matches and watch them in slow motion. Like really like watch, you know, how they sunk in those moves and stuff. Because, you know, to a lot of people, jujitsu is pretty boring. But if you actually know what you're watching, it's really fascinating. And, yeah, I mean, and you'd know that better than anybody, you know. <laughs> and, and so w- when we saw it in the continuing education catalog, we're like, fuck yeah, this is like, you know, like 30, 40 bucks to go do this. Let's go do it. That'll be fun. And um, so they have everybody line up. And so I'm lined up across from you know one of my friends nick and then they're like okay everybody got a partner yeah good okay everybody take a step to your left and so now you're paired up with somebody that you didn't think you were gonna be paired up with and so there's me who's like a fairly big dude and i'm paired up with this girl who's like maybe 120 pounds and she's in like head to toe like all like lycra spandex and like giant tits 
and it like like and it's like I I really don't feel comfortable having to run in here and grab you by your head and sweep your leg and like throw you on the ground. Like uh, like and, like the whole time I'm apologizing. I'm like I am very uncomfortable doing this to you. <laughs> like I grew up with a younger sister, and so every time she'd push my buttons and it would like turn into me getting mad like I was maybe going to swing on her like my dad would drag me into a room and give me like a 10 minute talk about how boys don't hit women and so the whole time I just got Randy in my head yelling at me (laughs) and I'm like apologizing profusely and then when it's her turn she can't throw me down on the ground so then big giant cop dude comes over to show off and and like that dude like maybe gave me a concussion like he swept me down so hard my head bounced off the mat and then on another one where we had to like step forward and like they'd have to reach out and like grab your hand in such a way that they would bend your pinky backwards and fold it along behind the knuckles of your other fingers and then bend that hand backwards which you know makes it super and then you pretty much do what they want and then you know you turn them and, and get control of their elbow and then you can pretty much do whatever you want to them at that point well, he was really aggressive when he did that, and he made my fucking backs of my fingers touch my forearm. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, and then when it dropped me down, my knee found a place in between the mats, and so I actually went down on the hard tile floor. And so, like, <laughs> yeah, my left knee was like, my left knee still fucked. And, um, oh, no. And I didn't make a fist with my left hand for, like, six months or so. <laughs> and so I paid for exactly one jujitsu class. <laughs> That's awful. And I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah, I used to go to uh, jiu-jitsu summer camp. Um, there was about a four-year stretch where I did that every year. Whoa. And, and it was – so we were up there for – it was like a, it was like a week, week and a half. Um, we go up to uh, far northern California, um, up near the Oregon border. Uh, it was on this farm, so, and we had, we had like uh, – chores to do every day like feeding the llamas and and, you know cooking and um cleaning the bathrooms and all that kind of stuff along with classes all day and you could sign up for different classes and you know it was it was basically like a college class setting where you have your set classes that everybody attends and then you have like electives that you are in smaller groups for and so learned a lot of really cool shit up there like we learned Italian jiu-jitsu. We took a class of that, and that shit's brutal. <laughs> what's what's the difference oh, with that? Man. Well, that's like way more aggressively targeting pressure points um, to immediately disable people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it hurts. <laughs> it, it's it's pretty gnarly. Um, it's kind of almost more similar to like Krav Maga or something like that than just straight judo jujitsu kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. But we, there was also like a waterfall that we would go up there. And if the water level was, was a, the right height, we would be able to jump 30 feet off this waterfall into the water below. And it was was a really, there was a bridge that sometimes we jumped off of. So it was a, it was a really cool experience. Cliff jumping is a lot of fun. Yeah. Anytime you're as falling... long as you know what's underneath you. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not shitting with that, man. It's like I'm flashing back to high school with the tips for head injuries. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my God. I remember it was the night that Mike Tyson bit off Holyfield's ear. I remember we watched that pay-per-view and then we were like, let's go out to the rock quarry and do go cliff jumping. And so we went out there and just like parked our cars so that the headlights were just kind of shining off. And that was the wildest. Cause you just take off running and just jump off the edge into inky blackness. You just fall for a while and then just boom, hit the water. Oh man, <laughs> that sounds insane. Oh, get this. Somebody, somebody, whoever was the one who originally set this place up, they didn't have a rope to tie off to climb back up out. And so they had a garden hose. And so they tied, oh. tied a garden hose around a tree and then tied knots in it like every three feet and then threw it down off the edge of the cliff. And so you jump in. And then the way that where the garden hose was hanging down, it was in like a little bit of a dihedral. And so that's like a, like a, almost like if you were to like open a hardback book and like set it, you know, like on a table and you'd be looking at that inside corner, that's like a dihedral. And so you would like, you'd be really easy. Just put a foot on each opposing wall and then hand over hand up this garden hose and then walk your feet, you know, up the wall, kind of like using counter pressure. But it was wild because since it was a garden hose, it would stretch every time you pulled on it. And every time I was like, when's it going to be the last stretch and it's going to fucking snap? How much sun has this thing seen? You no know, shit. I think it was north facing. I think it was on a north facing <laughs> bit. So, <laughs> But what was funny is that I remember then it was like, it was a time after that. It was after that night we were doing it and we were out there and there was younger kids out there and they were going like, doing head first like suicide dives off it like putting their hands at their sides going head first oh jesus and so i was like all right i'll try that and so i went and did it i only did it once because it hurt the top of my head so bad when i hit the water <laughs> yeah. Ugh, do not recommend it but then like oh. as i like go because you know you dive and then you kind of level out and then you come up i felt my toes drag across pebbles <laughs> <laughs> and so i came up and i'm like i touched the bottom like, and I said it with like a clear note of concern in my voice and they're like, yeah, it's only like 10 feet deep. And I'm like, you guys are diving head fucking for like, and so that's when I was like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm <laughs> like, out. I, uh, Bye. Uh, uh, and then like, and then I think that same day they were also talking about, oh yeah, we came out here yesterday and there was all these snakes in the water. They were just like swimming around like the Loch Ness monster. Like a foot of them was just up above the water level, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" So, needless to say, I never went back. And then we found out it was on private property because we went out, and then there was a cable hanging across the drive going in that some farmer had put up. So he must have heard that there was a bunch of suicidal kids going out there. We had a place up here, um, El Canyon. It's actually the water reservoir for our neighboring city um we would you have to sneak in and and have some cliffs up above that we would jump off of and you know we always had to keep an eye out for cops because, <laughs> <laughs> and we had to you had to park like kind of far away so that they didn't know that that's where you were uh-huh. and so there'd be these giant roving gangs of teenagers walking along this road <laughs> sneaking into this reservoir <laughs> that's awesome (laughs) so have you lived in california your whole life uh most of my life yeah Uh, i lived in hawaii for a little while um then i traveled around europe for a while oh wow where else you go in europe uh i worked at a port winery in portugal for a little over a month then i traveled from portugal to 
Italy through Spain and, and southern France. And that took about two weeks to do that. And then I worked at the the people who owned the port winery there. They lived at this villa in Italy. And so I worked there for like, like fixing windows and stuff and also doing the olive harvest for about a month. And then my friend was getting his PhD at Cambridge. Um, and so I went and spent a couple weeks with him before I flew home. Wow. That sounds like a fucking adventure. It was <laughs> basically <laughs> I, I paid for my, my, my travels in between my work locations from the, the money I made that I where I worked. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So you just like kind of worked your way through Europe to like fund it. Yeah, basically I know I, I had a little bit to start off with, but not much. And I, I earned enough to make it from Portugal to Italy. And then I made enough to fund the rest of my couple weeks in, 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 in England, which is really expensive. Cambridge is not a cheap place to live. Huh? Wow. But, yeah. We went to Germany a few years ago. That was a lot of fun. Nice. I'd like to go to Germany. That's a, that's a, seems like it'd be a really interesting place to to visit. It was extremely Overall. chill. I really really liked yeah. it. It was um, really really beautiful. The area we were in, there was lots of lots of hills, and it was just gorgeous. Nice. There's a there's a rock climbing destination there called Frankenjura. That whenever I see pictures of whenever I see pictures of it, it reminds me of the limestone in Iowa. And and a lot of the a lot of the landscape I saw in Germany reminded me of like the driftless zone in Iowa, which is like the, the northeastern part of the state where it's not just all flat cornfields. It's lots of <laughs> lots of big the interesting like, part. It is very interesting. Lots of rolling hills and everything. Like like if you see like the stuff that Grant Wood painted with his landscapes, mm-hmm. that's the part of the state that he was inspired by. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I did a. Um an outward bound trip when I was 19 turning 20 and we start off sea kayaking in Baja and then we went to Joshua tree to go rock climbing. Oh, nice. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. Did you have you guys then top, after that, top we went, rope? Uh, well, kind of, sometimes it, it depends, depended on when, when, what we were doing. Because when we first started, that the, the very first day we got to Joshua Tree, they took us out, uh, the whole group of 10 of us, and then with all the instructors, and they set up a bunch of top ropes on this one wall to kind of gauge our proficiencies. And then they divided us into three different groups. Um, there was like the super green beginner, not very skilled. And there was like, you know, in the middle, then there was the top group. And I, I was one of the three people on the top group. And so we got to go off with our mountain goat of a British old lady <laughs> <laughs> instructor. Um, she was amazing. And we actually got to do some multi-pitch climbs and no shit. That's um, cool. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we got to, we got to do some really interesting stuff during that part of it. <laughs> and then after that, we went to uh, Utah um, we went, let's see, what was next? Canyoneering in the San Rafael swell. Uh, oh, cool. Next. We did that, that for a couple of weeks. Yeah. That was right around the same time as the dude from 127 hours was there. In <laughs> fact, uh, 
one of the instructors had seen him the day before he did that um, nearby. So, yeah, that was, it's pretty desolate out there. <laughs> there was this one one day we went on a, like a day hike after we kind of did this whole big loop, and we went through the, the through this canyon called Knotted Rope Canyon because from above it looks like a knotted rope. Um, it's just super tiny, like narrow, and then it widens out to this like big pool of water, and then it narrows again, then widens again. And one of my friends and I made it our mission to not get wet because the water would see oh I don't know half an hour of sunlight a day, so it was just <laughs> really barely <cold>. above freezing. <laughs> yeah. And he and I made it almost all the way to the end. I made it all the way to the end without getting wet. He fell in the very last pool. <laughs> <laughs> we just like traversing some, the wall. Basically, yeah. And some <laughs> of them were narrow enough where you could like spread eagle across it. <laughs> and there was like old rusted pipes and shit going through it. So it wasn't it was some dangerous, foolish shit that we were doing to avoid getting wet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we, we, we managed it. it that, was a, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> dangerous, foolish shit usually makes the best memories, though. Right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I remember when I first got into climbing and, and one of my mentors was always harping on me because I'd go out, you know, hiking by myself. And, you know, see something that looked good and maybe, you know, climb the bottom six foot of it or something like that. And he'd always get so pissed when I'd tell him about it. He's like, dude, you fucking fall down and get your lung punctured by some fucking tree root or something. You're going to have a real fun 12 days laying there fucking bleeding out. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're probably right. I never see anybody on these hikes. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, like the, the most fun places are the farthest out of the way where nobody wants to go well yeah and then i mean and if you're at the mercy of nature you're fucked because nature doesn't yeah. care you know it doesn't care no. if you live or die in fact you'd probably prefer it if you died <laughs> <laughs> you know all things considered you know humans are a little bit more useful just kind of feeding feeding bacteria yeah. around here could you just die <laughs> I need some more mushrooms. Just go ahead and die already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jumping back a little bit, you said there was like a month-long olive, har olive harvest in Italy. What was that like? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, what, what they what we do to haul of the haul of harvest these olives is they take old parachutes, right, and wrap around the base of the tree. No, and there's like wow. these long. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like these long rakes there that you just kind of scrape the olives off of and they fall into the parachute. And then you just kind of roll the parachute up and dump it into a bin and then you keep going. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's low tech, but it's super effective. Um, then, you you know, you kind of go through it and pick out the leaves and whatnot. And then you take the whole truckload to the olive presser and then they press it into olive oil and then you take the olive oil home That's so cool. I, we were we were eating like pieces of toast with olive oil and some salt on it that we had harvested those olives that morning and it was like it was the most incredible thing i've ever eaten in my entire life <laughs> it's just a super simple piece of like french bread like toasted 
with olive oil drenching it and then just a little bit of sprinkling of salt on top of it that the piquant of that fresh olive oil is it, it, you don't ever get it unless you have absolutely fresh olive oil because it, it like within a couple of days it's 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 mellowed out significantly wow what an incredible experience yeah yeah, yeah. i've i've gotten quite a i've been able to do quite a few really interesting things throughout my life um, I've always been more of an experience than a possessions kind of person. So <laughs> I, I, I've definitely thing. tilted in that direction. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. You, you bring up toast. I was tripping out about toast earlier and like, I was trying to tell my <laughs> wife about it and she was just giving me the look of, I, I don't follow you at all, but I was tripping because it's like, well, toast is one of those things where it's like, it, it's, it's a noun. It's a verb. It's an adjective and an adverb. It can do it all. And it's weird. That a word that's that versatile in all the different things you can toast, the only thing that we toast and call toast is bread. And for some reason that was <laughs> tripping me out. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like you put I mean, you put bread in the toaster to make toast, and so that's why we call it a toaster. But you can also toast a waffler in there, so like you don't like you call you you call a waffle maker a waffle maker. You don't call it a waffler. But you have to put something in it to make a waffle. I mean, am I am I stupid for like being tripping out about this? It's kind of a weird thing, right? It's a kind of a weird thing. You have a valid point. (laughs) You can you can toast other things besides bread, like say pine nuts, but you don't call them toast once you're done with them. They're toasted pine nuts. Some trippy stuff, man. I don't know. Yeah. I think this is just another byproduct of all this fucking isolation. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting some cabin fever there, bro. <laughs> the bread becomes toast. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of, I think, the majority of us have gotten a, a bit of that. <laughs> like, just kind of going down these weird-ass rabbit holes in our brains and not even knowing where they're going to lead us. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I've noticed is that since I work from home every day now and I don't drive a car every day when I just drive now, maybe once a week, it feels weird. <laughs> I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> like I used to like yeah, drive I... professionally where like I'd drive, you know, like I'd spend maybe right. four hours a day driving. And so, Yeah. Yeah, I used to have an hour commute each way to work um, on top, you know, just to get there. I'm not mentioning wherever we were going after that. Um, and so I, I kind of miss that commute now. <laughs> that was my podcast listening time. Yeah, exactly. And now right? I work five minutes away from where I live. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my podcast listening has taken a huge hit since since yeah. um, not being like a, you know, like on the road type employee anymore because it's it's like i can i can listen to podcasts while i work that's not a problem but like my job now is just so much more like thought intensive to where it's like i can listen to podcasts all day and then at the end of the day i might not really be able to tell you everything i even heard (laughs) you know like i'll laugh at it and stuff at the time but it's like i don't like process it the same way i would when it when it was just okay i got an hour windshield time here you know i'm gonna listen to this podcast and then actually be able to you know, retain it. Yeah. I I noticed that even when I was, uh, working at my old job, um, 
because you know, I listen on the way in, way out. And then sometimes if I was working in the shop alone, I, I would throw a podcast on. And, I, and because I was concentrating on my task at hand, I wasn't really paying attention to the um, to the what I was listening to. And not that I wasn't paying attention to driving while listening. It's, it's a very different kind of mentality when you're driving and there's absolutely nothing you can do with your hands. And you're just you're very focused on this one thing rather than like in a shop. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make this one light bulb work in a certain way <laughs> or, or whatever I'm doing. And, and it's, you know, a lot more brain power is devoted to that and a lot less to what I'm listening to. Yeah. 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 I totally feel that. Oh, man, there are times where I, I long for the simplicity of that job. <laughs> just driving, <laughs> just driving around. <laughs> but then I remember it was like, well, when you got to where you go, and it was a lot of like lifting heavy shit, walking on concrete. And you were, you know, as Danny Glover said, you were getting too old for this shit. <laughs> but now you don't even have the commute to look forward to to listen to stuff. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's the for me is like it's been like the only positive thing to come out of the pandemic is that. Like I, it afforded me the opportunity to work from home and I really enjoy working from home. Well, I'm so, sure you get to spend a lot more time with your family this way too. And that's been really, really nice. Um, especially cause, um, the, the school district that we had the boys enrolled in, like when we saw what their plan was for the 2020, 20, or, you know, just for this school year mm -hmm. in general, we were just like, mm, no, no, that, <laughs> that's, that's terrible. And, and now, just following the amount of COVID cases they have there and like how many kids are constantly not at school. It's just like, wow, what a shit show. They should be fucking ashamed of themselves. Yeah. There are a lot of people that should be ashamed of themselves that aren't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, just the fact back to the very beginning of our conversation. <laughs> well, yeah. I was, I'll try not to dip too far into it, but just, just the fact that, that, Medical expertise and medical science has got turned into a political football during a global pandemic. Oh. It's just like, are you kidding me? So oh. dumb. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. On to better things. Um, <laughs> so what is going on with the Dune movie? Is it is it actually going to release how it was going to and we're just going to see it on HBO Max or are they pushing it back? You know, at this point, I have no idea because of how pissed Denis Villanueva was. Um, he, he did not want it, this to happen. He, he did not want it to release on HBO Max and for a bunch of people to watch it that way. And he was never informed, I guess, that they were going to do this. So, like, he got super angry about it. Um, I, haven't, I haven't heard any, Have you heard any information about whether it might get pushed back? I don't know. I, for some reason I was thinking that it was going to get pushed back. And when I, well, when I first read that news, I was sad, but I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense also. And then when HBO said they were going to be releasing all these films on HBO max, as well as theaters. And then Dune was one of the ones that was listed. I was kind of surprised. Um, yeah. I mean, if I don't know what's going on with the theaters around here because I haven't had, any motivation to actually go to a theater. There hasn't been any movies out yet where I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to risk. Um, honestly, Dune would have been one of those ones where I'd have dressed in a fucking hazmat suit 
yep, <laughs> no one had sat here. in the theater to go see. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I, if it, if it does release on digital and it is out the same day as the theater, like I'll probably end up seeing it at home. But it is one of those ones that I would love to see it on a giant screen, and especially with the yeah. theater sound system and everything, just because. That movie's so huge, and just from the trailers, it looks like they're doing right by the source material. So yeah. I, I feel like it is something that you sh- that you should see in the theater. And and I'm I'm not enough of a, a a movie person with directors and everything to 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 really know you know styles and stuff like that. But from what I've read about. Um, the, the director on this is it sounds like it's going to be a visual masterpiece and so it's like well I, yeah I, I can see why he wouldn't want somebody potentially watching that on a mobile screen you know? <laughs> yeah like, it's not meant to be watched on your phone exactly uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's when I, I I was on PCL a while back and I, I we were talking about the the dune um, trailer that I just released and I, at that time, theaters here none of them were planning on opening at any time soon um so i was saying that i was gonna drive to arizona to go watch it in the movie theater but now i think there's one theater nearby that was doing limited seating viewings but now we're we're in another lockdown here in a lot of places Uh, my county specifically isn't but i'm sure it will be at some point this month um, so I, I don't know. I, and again, I don't even know what's coming out anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Neither do I. I mean, the only you know. movie that I know when it's coming out is, is wonder woman. And even that is getting like early release <laughs> in some places. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I've always been the, the comfort and convenience, you know, over <laughs> going out and doing things in public type person but i i i don't want to see i don't want to see movie theaters go away because i know they are so important to so many other people and and there are movies that i want to see in the theater and and it just it absolutely sucks that you know the hidden ramifications behind if they release movies on digital at the same time as theaters theaters are going to suffer and if theaters are going to suffer especially in this time where they've already been suffering you know, it's just an, the final nail away. in the coffin. And, and, yeah. and so now it's like, I've, I've said for so many years, like, Oh, I wish I could just watch this at home and just pause it when I wanted. <laughs> and, you know, especially, you know, going and taking, you know, kids to like, I remember when I went and right. saw rogue one, I took both my kids with me and, you know, <laughs> they had to have like two different bathroom breaks throughout it. <laughs> and so I remember afterwards, like here listening on a podcast and they were talking about the hammerhead Corvette scene. And I was like, what was that? <laughs> it's like, oh, that happened while <laughs> oh, you were no. in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the best scene in the movie. <laughs> Fucking tell me about it. I had to look it up on YouTube and go, fuck, I missed that. <laughs> it's like the best scene out of any Star Wars movie, in my opinion. <laughs> the Vader, the Vader hallway, scene. the Vader hallway scene. I, I think it, like the hammerhead Corvette, I think is falls just behind the the vader hallway scene in that for sure right (laughs) oh Oh, so i know you're a huge star trek fan are you a big star wars fan too i like star wars a lot i do um i mean i've always been more of a trek person just because 
of the philosophical connotations of the show and the movies and just, you know, it's fully automated luxury gay space communism. So, (laughs) like, that's more my jam than, you know, than fantasy with a little bit of sci-fi in it. But I I really do like Star Wars a lot. Um, And, I mean, it revolutionized not just uh, blockbusters and movies in general, but like sci-fi in particular, just what was possible to, to, to make happen um, visually. And I mean, I, I loved, I read a lot of the extended universe uh, back when that was canon, you know, before Disney got it. And I loved a lot of those books. Um, I loved like Knights of the Old Republic and, my Old Republic 2, and I, I'm, I just started playing <laughs> Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, the MMORPG again, after uh, that Ahsoka Tano episode of The Mandalorian. I got so pumped, just like, <laughs> I want to play Star Wars again! It's, I it's, love it's that rip- episode so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's such a fun universe to play around in, um, and that's what's been, that's what was most disappointing to me about, like, the new movies, was it just kept going back to the same well over and over again, except for the last Jedi, which I think is why that's the one I like the most out of those three. Um, and the universe is just so big that like, I'm glad that they're finally doing all these TV series. That's going to explore things that we haven't seen. We get the, get the fuck away from the Skywalkers for once. It's yeah, really exciting. <laughs> No, I agree. That's what I've been loving so much about The Mandalorian is just getting mm-hmm. all these different peaks into different aspects of, you know, way different people in in the universe live. And, um, man, it it's a great show. It is a very, very great show. And and like when we were talking about, you know, we couldn't believe how many spinoffs were just announced the other day, because um, at first I was just I was just glowing on the. I really want to see an Ahsoka Tano, you know, show. And and it seems like this was like a backdoor pilot for it. And so then to get that along with, you know, the tease of so much more stuff, it's definitely exciting. And, um, yeah. So like, I'm noticing a trend, like you're, you're a big fan of Star Trek, Star Wars, Dune. Do you, do you, would you say that like the, the space based sci-fi stuff is really your jam? Yeah, I think it's my – I mean, I like fucking everything, really. <laughs> That's the way I am too, man. <laughs> it's like um, if it's entertaining to me, yeah, I'm down with it. Yeah, exactly. Like another one of my favorite book series is, is The Dresden Files, which is very far away from space-based. I is mean, that the, the, the wizard guy who's the detective? Yeah, the wizard detective in Chicago. Dude, I've read maybe uh, a half dozen of those paperbacks years ago. I thought they were really enjoyable. So good. Yeah, I just I just picked up the two newest ones. The one came out in July and one came out in October. Uh, like the seventeenth and eighteenth books in the series, um, they're still really goddamn good. <laughs> you know, it's, the, I liked all the, the ones story, I read. Yeah, like the earlier ones were very very insular, like, and there was just a little bit of like lore building going on through them, and then. Like, the latter half of them have gotten way heavier into building up this entire world, and there's all these other recurring characters, so that the world feels more fleshed out now, and just bigger. Like, the stakes have gotten so much higher, um, which, I mean, 
it has its pros and cons, just like everything. Um, I, I love those really those early on ones that were more like hard boiled detective books um, a lot. But th- as the character has grown and and the world has grown around him, it's it's gotten really really good. Um, That's awesome. Just as an overarching star, I love to see a, a series based on like not necessarily like a TV series like they tried to do with it originally, but like a movie a movie series because the way the books are written they they could be condensed really easily into a two hour movie, I think. Cause cool. it, you know, with that first person narrative, there's so much that could be conveyed just by a facial expression instead of half a page of internal monologue. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they're always looking for IP. So, I mean, yeah. it just seems something that big. I mean, unless there's something that you don't know about because, you know, if there's some sort of rights issue, if there was already a TV show made off it or something, but I mean, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, yes, that was I was a long I had time seen ago. The TV show for it, and like I never watched it, but I was like, I wonder if that's that same as those books I read. Yeah, and it it changed a lot of stuff from the books unnecessarily. Um, I hate it when things do that. Yeah, it combined two of the characters basically, and and then another one was made into something else it got it was not that great i, I did like the lead <laughs> actor a lot um paul blackthorne played harry dresden he wasn't as tall as he's described in the books but hey you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> that was um one of the things that like i remember when i was in high school i went over to a friend of a friend's place and i showed up and they were watching the original dune movie and I'd never, I'd never seen it before. I had no idea what they were watching, and I wasn't there long enough to see all of it. I just caught a bit of the beginning. And I remember just sitting there, like, looking at them, going, what the fuck is going on in this movie? And then left, and then <laughs> <laughs> fucking years later, a couple years later, I, you know, I buy the novel, read it, and I'm like, this is fucking incredible. Um, when I was in high school, I absolutely loved uh, fantasy books, like Raymond E. Feist, J.R.R. Tolkien, that sort of stuff. And, um, and so I, I, I didn't read very much like sci-fi when I was in, when I was in high school and Dune, I thought was like just this perfect bridge because this is a great mixture of sci-fi and a fantasy story in the way that, mm-hmm. that it combined the two. It, it, that was the, the bridge for me to get into reading sci-fi was Dune. And then, nice. so I read that, thought it was awesome. Uh, uh, some, uh, roommate that I had at the time had the, the 2000 sci-fi miniseries on DVD. And so oh, I watched not bad. No, and especially if you're like a book purist, like I am like that movie's fucking yeah. great. Like yeah, I, I have, I have the children of Dune one on DVD here. I picked up years <laughs> and years ago from a blockbuster sale. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing the trailers for that when it was going to be out and being, and then being super stoked. And then, um, I think by the time it came out, I like didn't have that. I didn't have sci-fi channel at that time or something. So I never got to see it. So I've, I've never actually watched the, the mini series of children of Dune. Um, but I was a huge fan. I love, that's one of my favorite books in the series just because, Oh man, Lado's journey. in that is just fucking incredible. Yeah. And, um, how was the mini series? Um, it's pretty good. It actually combines uh, 
what is it, Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. Yeah, that's kind of what I gathered from the the previews in it, because it was showing the older Alia and everything. And Yeah. Um, the, I, the, I remember the one thing from the trailer that I was like, oh, I don't know if I like the look of that, was it, like the living still suit on him looked like it was just <laughs> like a couple little pieces glued to him. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. I mean... It, what is it? What was it? Late nineties? I'm gonna look it up. Uh, it well, it had to be early two thousands because I, I think yeah, the first 2000s. Dune miniseries came out in two thousand. Okay. Uh, two thousand three. Hmm. Two thousand three. It's James McAvoy playing the lead in it too, right? Yeah, and uh, Susan Sarandon was in it. Um, Alice Krieg, who played the Borg. Queen in First Contact. Um, I remember being really, really liking the uh, actress who played Aaliyah. <laughs> I thought she was gorgeous. Yes. Yes, she was. <laughs> that and their Duncan Idaho and that didn't have metal eyes either, did he? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like number two of Duncan Idaho's Thousand Lives, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously, man, <laughs> I got so lost multiple times reading, you know, because I read all six of the of the Herbert, the Frank Herbert books, um, and it's still kind of a mash to me of what happened when and which book. Oh <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it encompasses so much time, and there's just so many things that happen in these books, like. The clone people and the the shapeshifters and just and Frank Herbert so got so I... horny late in life. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This, the weird sex stuff that he puts in those later books it was like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing at home? <laughs> I feel exactly. bad for your wife. <laughs> exactly, it makes like Stephen King books look like fucking tame. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did read a couple of the uh, the prequel books, um, like the the house, like House Atreides, House Harkonnen, um, the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah, with but with uh, Kevin kept, J. Anderson and they, Brian Herbert. Yeah, and but they made a whole bunch of them that I didn't read. Yeah, I read I read those prequel books. I thought they were pretty good. Um, and the the Butler and Jihad ones were really good. And then they wrote they finished Dune. So like Dune seven was Right. Because they had found a like a um security safety deposit box key in Frank Herbert's possessions, and so they're like, What is this? And then they go and find like five and a quarter <laughs> floppy drives and outlines and everything. And yeah. you know, because he wrote Chapter House and Chapter House ends on this huge cliffhanger and then he dies and so for <laughs> years fans are like well what's gonna happen you know there's this spaceship it just like you know it, to get away from the bad guys they basically had to like do like a hyperspace jump into without putting coordinates in and then end up in some part of space where there's not even any stars in the sky and then that's how it ends <laughs> and you're like what <laughs> and so and so when when brian herbert and kevin j anderson used those notes and then they wrote uh, Hunters of Dune and Sandworms of Dune. So they finished out in two books. And so I read those. Mm. Did you read those and see how the, the series like was I did not. finished out? Pretty interesting shit. Um, 
I don't want to spoil it on on the air, but like on a break or something, if you want, I'll I'll, I'll fill you in on how it went. It was pretty interesting the way that they brought it in, and it really helped to have read those prequel books for it to like fully make sense. And so I think that that would be the only takeaway I would say from it is that if you were to only read, you know, those first six Dune books and then read those last two, at the end you might be like, who are these people? <laughs> You know, so because, if you hadn't read any of the prequels, you wouldn't understand the the, the end. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not fully. But it, but then again, you know, if a good writer should be able to fill in enough background info. So where if you haven't read that other stuff, and w- with me being yeah. so invested in all that all that source material, just at at the time I knew it so well. I remember um, when I when I was reading those prequel books for the first time, I was working at a convenience store that just opened a brand new location and there was like a block away, a, another convenience store that had been there for like years and years and years. <laughs> and so nobody was coming into our brand new convenience store. And so you'd work like an eight hour shift and maybe have two or three customers. And so oh, I remember damn. just taking that book there with me. And one of the books was like a 960 page book. And I read it over two shifts. <laughs> And I just like sat on the counter and was just totally absorbed. And it was either House Harkonnen or House Trady, House of Trades. But mm. yeah, man, those books were fun <laughs> as hell. And like the the Butler and Jihad ones were great too. Yeah, it was really interesting seeing where a lot like where a lot of the you know Dune um, itself philosophies came from in, in this machine war thing yeah um and why there was such an anti-machine crusade and i i thought that was a really interesting topic to explore totally Um, because like you know in those main books when they're referring back to that war against the thinking machines i remember the first time i was reading i was like is this like a fucking sequel to terminator (laughs) because that's kind of like what they're describing they're like computers got really really good people got really lazy automated more and more shit and then they automated war and then AI came about and enslaved humanity, and that's how we lost yeah. Earth. And it's like, wow, that's fucking awesome. Fucking Skynet Frank, right there. Frank Herbert <laughs> came up with the idea for Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> In a roundabout you know way. <laughs> he, may, he possibly may have indirectly contributed to it. It makes you wonder. Like James, um, James Cameron like in college was like reading Dune being like, God damn, I got an idea. <laughs> That would not surprise me in the least if that's <laughs> what happened. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, um, George Lucas has said that Dune was one of the, the huge inspirations for him to do Star Wars. And then, you know, Star Wars just ends up being the one that really grabs, you know, the 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 bigger place in pop culture. But it wouldn't be there without Dune, which is pretty huge. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Star Wars is obviously more simplistic and, well, it was at the time. Since gotten pretty convoluted, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, it also took a lot of those um, tropes from like the, the Japanese movies, like like Kurosawa and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, which we're also seeing in The Mandalorian, um, and then Western tropes and a lot of stuff that was really familiar to a lot of people. Whereas Dune was really exploring its own path and it wasn't relying on a lot of the familiar territory that star Wars, uh, used. 
And that's, I think, why Star Wars is way more accessible. It's because it's not trying to, or it wasn't, again, it wasn't at the time trying to do something completely uh, on its own. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously since become its own thing. But at the time, it was, it was you know, he, he has since said that he had planned everything out. But we know from his ex-wife that he had not planned everything out. (laughs) (laughs) That was determined to be a lie. Yeah, absolutely. This is born of fucking ego after the fact. (laughs) No, all along I knew Anakin Skywalker was Vader. It's like, did you? Did you though? (laughs) Oh, so you planned that incest kiss. All right. (laughs) Weird flex, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, and also you're talking two different mediums too. Is that you know, Dune was a yeah. novel, and and you know, with with Star Wars being a film, two very different things. But but Dune is also yeah. it's there. I think there's a lot deeper messages in that novel too. You know, it's got a lot oh, yeah. with environmentalism, a, a lot with religion, with religion and and like and with governmental and rule. All and, stuff, yeah. yeah, and a lot of good stuff like. A lot of Dune's one of those books where, man, I I used to read it at least once a year, and it's been collecting dust in my closet for far too long now. But mostly just I feel like I haven't Same. had time to just. Re- it's been so long since I've had time to like sit and read a novel. And yeah, I mean, when I got these two uh, um, Dresden books, I read them, you know, one a night. Like it, I just burned through them like super quick. Um, because they are an easy read and that's kind of what I do with these Dresden books. I just power through them and, <laughs> and I'm done and left wanting. Uh, whereas with Dune, it's like you actually really have to more fully engage because there are such complex topics and, and, and like explorations of, of humanity and what it means to be human and, and like all that kind of stuff that you can't just burn through it or else you're going to miss everything. Yeah. 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 It's just, just a little bit deeper, but you know, and that's one of those things too, where, you know, as a fan of Dune and you, if you're comparing to star Wars, well, it's just a, it's deeper. It's a heavier material. You almost sound like a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) a little bit douchey (laughs) or pretentious saying it. And it's like, no, it's not from there. It's just, it's, it, it, it's just a different thing, but yeah, again, and that's not making it seem like star Wars is worse because of that. It's just different. Yes. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's like you're allowed to like different things for different reasons. <laughs> you know? It's like, I love star Trek because of the philosophical discussions that the characters get into all the time. Uh, I like Star Wars because it's super exciting and fun. Um, not to say that they, the other one or the other doesn't touch on the other stuff. Um, I mean, certainly sometimes the Senate meetings, in the prequels talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stuff gets a little dry. Uh, I was reading something. I was going to say, that doesn't hold a candle to any of the shit that you get in Next Generation. <laughs> no, I, I know. <laughs> uh, um, I was reading something recently that was talking about like why the prequels 
like kind of failed compared to the original trilogy. And a lot of it had to do with the pushback that the actors gave George Lucas in the the original trilogy. Like he was just some young buck and Harrison Ford and Carrie uh, Fisher just kind of said, fuck you and did their own thing, which made their characters way more compelling. Whereas in the prequels, he was like this voice of God. So even high caliber actors like Ewan McGregor and, and Natalie Portman kind of just felt like they had to do whatever the hell he said. Yeah, I think Harrison Ford famously said, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) When he was like flat out just being like, nah, George, I'm not saying the line as you have it written because this guy doesn't talk like that. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) I've always found it really interesting, too, that he focused so much on like all this like business fucking management type bullshit plotline stuff with like the trade federation and all that. And it's like, at the same yeah. time you look at what's going on in his life and it's like, hmm, <laughs> that's a, that's a little weird. <laughs> but I, I think if you look at the, the three movies as a whole, the prequels are actually better than the sequels. When you I look would at agree with that. Yeah. And, and I think that's I kind think... of a bummer. Um, I, I oh, remember yeah. when, oh, that... When Rise of Skywalker first came out, when I saw it in the theater, I really, really liked it. And, like, I had been on, like, a huge Star Wars kick leading up to that. I had watched all of Clone Wars, and I was working my way through Rebels when I went and saw it. And so there was enough, like, fan service in it that, like, I felt really seen. Where I was like, yeah, I get why they're doing this and this and that. And then, like, in the time that followed, and then by the time that the digital came out... Like, I've still never been able to get all the way through watching that movie again, and I own it. And so I'm like, I've really had to come to terms with the fact that I was like, wow, I was, like, I I love, I unabashedly will say I love pretty much everything Star Wars, but but I also have to admit when, like, the, like there's really good Star Wars, and there's Star Wars, it's just not, not, not as good. And and the farther I've gotten away from Rise of Skywalker and just that sequel trilogy in general, the more I'm putting it in the, it's not as good camp. Maybe I'll go back to it again in like 10 years. Because I remember when I first saw the prequels, I didn't really like those much. And they've really grown on me since over the years. And I'm able to just kind of accept, you know, some of the terrible bits of dialogue and and some of the the (laughs) cringeworthy stuff with like Anakin just being way too creepy stalker vibe you know right off the bat where it's like maybe work into that a little bit and (laughs) play it a little cooler buddy (laughs) yeah or or like maybe even like talk to a female and have her read that script before you just have this poor guy read this shit (laughs) you know like yeah and the, the same article was talking about um how the prequels have a single unifying vision um even though that vision may be a little flawed, it's still unified, and there's a there's a through line throughout the entire trilogy. Exactly, they, they the knew where they sequels, were going. Yeah, the sequels do not have that unifying vision. In fact, <laughs> they 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 had this original plan to have three different directors, and they were each going to kind of do their, their do their own thing. But then, because of the backlash against Last Jedi they had JJ retcon everything from the last Jedi. So it was like they spent that entire third movie 
changing everything that happened in the movie before it. And I think it's way weaker because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. They, it seriously suffered from not having an outline. Yeah. <laughs> like at yeah. least have an idea where you're going with this. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally liked the last Jedi the most out of the three, uh, because it was doing something different in this universe. Um, I, I, there are definitely low points to that movie. No doubt about that. Yeah. But, I agree. Um, I think that because it was so different, that's what caused the backlash and Disney overcorrected and JJ cannot do a second movie of anything. (laughs) It really does seem that way, doesn't it? I mean, Into Darkness is the only piece of Star Trek that I actively hate. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that movie exactly once. And I had a good time watching it only because of the circumstances of how I watched it. (laughs) Like not because of the quality of the film. It was just, I, um, I was with some friends and we backpacked out to this cabin that didn't have any electricity or anything. And it was in this Canyon and it was in the middle of winter. And so we just had like a wood burning stove in there. And my one friend that I was with is like a gadget guy. And so he had like this little, projector that would hook up to his iPhone and he had this big USB battery bank and so he had all these USB lanterns that he strung around the cabin and then they had a sheet hanging up above the fireplace and we watched Star (laughs) Trek Into Darkness after we got all our firewood cut and everything and so like that's awesome yeah and so like just because of the situation of how we watched it I was like this is really fucking cool but as I'm watching it I'm like wait a minute that's con (laughs) Because I, like, my dad was, like, a Trekkie. Like, I I grew up with him always watching the original series and, like, talking about it in a way that, you know, I don't remember a time that, of, like, not knowing what Star Trek was. Or, like, thinking about it in a positive light, you know, because when you're a kid, you know, you'll emulate the things that your folks like. And and so Star Trek was just one of those things. And and Ratha Khan was one of those ones where, like, when I was a kid, he got me to watch it being like, ew, look at this part where they put the bugs in their ears and... (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, that was kind of like my through line into it. And so I remember watching Wrath of Khan from like a really young age. And so I knew that story. And as we're watching Into Darkness, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And so I can see how like real legit fans of of Star Trek could have hated that movie. Yeah. It, 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 like I'm all for fan service being done the right way. And that was not done the right way. It was shoehorning. <laughs> these elements of things that we loved in wrath of Khan into this movie that had not earned it. And it it just felt so like pandering and just, it didn't work for the story. And uh, there was, mm. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that movie pisses me off. Just even thinking about it. Oh, we can get you away from that. That's like me thinking about the weirding modules in the Dennis Lynch Dune movie instead of it being the weirding way. (laughs) Weirding modules. Fuck you. You know, he was credited as saying, well, I didn't want to see Kung Fu on the sand. It's like, no, we want Kung Fu on the sand. It worked really well in the books. (laughs) (laughs) It actually made sense. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of a big 
part of the story. <laughs> yeah, kind of a huge part of the story. <laughs> the, oh, this duke has fighting soldiers that are now as good as the emperor's soldiers, and that's why the emperor wants him out of the way. <laughs> yep. Nadi came up with these awesome guns that you're talking to. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? <sighs> God, fuck that movie. Yeah. People the only good so thing about that movie that. is is fucking Patrick Stewart as Gurney Halleck. Patrick Stewart as Gurney Halleck was fantastic. And <laughs> and Sting played a really good Fade Routh also. And it, Yeah. And I appreciated that they made the red the they put the red lips on the mentats where they're always sipping yeah. that that juice that made their minds work faster. Yeah. The little things. But. But I don't understand oh, when, when people, like, when if you're going to adapt something that's, like, beloved, that and Dune won, like, all these fucking awards is the book. And we're like, eh, hey, we're just going to change some shit because, you know, that's what we do. And it's like, yeah. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <sighs> yeah. I mean, like, when a when a movie or, or a show or something adapts from a, from a beloved well, maybe not even below, but from my book's source material, you either have to be really, really faithful to it, or you have to just take the entire concept and turn it on its head. You, you can't kind of do both. Yeah, I mean, that's... Because generally when you hear my takes on things that I loved as a book, and then they completely change it, and I go and bitch about it, you'd think that I would hate The Boys TV show, because it's so much different from the comic. But just like what you said... You, you're going to have to do something drastically different. And, and that's kind of what yeah. that show's doing in comparison to the comic. And I love, I love everything the show's doing and I love the comic for what it was. And if yeah. anything, I'm happy because in a way it's like, no, I've just got more boys now, which is totally yeah, it's fucking like a completely awesome. Completely different story, which is cool. Yeah. And, and honestly, like not every single arc in the comics is something that would even really work on TV. Especially <laughs> in this day and age. I mean, there's some of the stuff like I really loved the love sausage Easter egg. I thought that that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> I re- I remember when I read the boys. One of my my good friends, um, he, he was the one who who owned it. Um, he was like, "You have to read this because we were we were really all really into comics at the time." Um, I mean, I. I was collecting Deadpool and Cable graphic novels then, and he was like, "You have to read this book," and so I did, and I, I fucking fell in love with it. Um, but you know, I had forgotten a lot of the details in the intervening years, and then when the show came out, I was like, "Oh yeah, oh look at that! I see it! I see that thing!" <laughs> I was like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, season two of that was so good. So good. Oh, I can't wait to see what they do next season. That's That, yeah. that show's Same with Umbrella treat. Academy, too. Yeah. Umbrella Academy was had a fantastic season two. That was so good. And again, I think it's because, just like the boys, they, were, they took the bare bones of one of the story arcs from the comics and just kind of did their own thing with it. Um, rather than trying to copy like what they did, had kind of had to do in season one, which was cue a little bit closer to the source material. This way they were able to just kind of, oh, thank you, we'll take it from here. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was like the for the Umbrella Academy, it was like they took those comics and they used it as like a paint by numbers sketch. And then they went in with just this palette of all these colors and they just filled it yeah. in and just really brought it to life in a way like the comic, like the comic book is just a real simple story. And it, it really just kind of bounces from thing to thing and not everything in it needs to make sense. Whereas I, I feel like they connected the dots in the, in the series in a much more meaningful way and actually brought a, like those characters to life in a way that they're not at all in the book. Hmm. I only read like the first issue of that, of that. Um, I read the I first really two arcs into it. Okay. Yeah. And, and if it, and quite honestly, like I, it took me two or three tries to get through the first one mm-hmm. and it was only like my love of the show that carried me through. And then when I read all the second one, I was like, that's when I came to this realization of, you know, oh, I can see why the fans, why I can see how this comic had a fan base, but mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like there's going to be many people that started off loving the show and then can transition to the comic book. <laughs> I think that that's a little bit harder of a leap because it's like, you're almost, I mean, yeah, you're going back to the source material, but in a way you're, 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 you're going from like this flushed out, beautiful painting to something that's really more of a pencil sketch, mm-hmm. you know, it, metaphorically in my, in, in, right. in, in my opinion on it. Right. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of the opposite of like game of Thrones uh, versus the, a song of ice and fire series where there's just so much in those books. I mean, I, I couldn't even watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got about halfway through the first book and it was basically everything that just, I read about as much as I could on like the 10 hour flight back from Germany a few years ago. And then I've, I've never continued on with the books, but, <laughs> but I've got that um, like the encyclopedia thing mm. or I think encyclopedia is the right way to say it. It's a, like a, yeah, I know what you're just trying to say. Yeah, it's but like it's got companion. like a bunch of yeah, it, yeah, like and I read through almost all of that, and so I've read like a bunch of the history and stuff in it because like from like I've been working on a a, a fantasy uh, like IP for for years and years that I nice. that I've been writing, and so I really I I can really appreciate it when when an author takes the time to think out thousands of years of history. That, oh my God. <laughs> it, you know, it's it might not necessarily be in the book outside of just references and stuff. But mm-hmm. as the creator of that universe to write those characters, if they're going to be influenced by things that happened in the past, it's like you, you really got to have all that thought out before you start writing. Otherwise, you can find yourself, you know, writing yourself into loops where you're like, <laughs> oh, shit, now this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, I really appreciate you know what he's done with that, but the world building, yeah, the world building is very of, impressive. There's a there's a couple of uh, prequel graphic novels that are pretty good too, called The Hedge Knight. Um, oh, the Duncan Egg books or whatever. What's that? Was that the Duncan Egg books? Yeah. Yep, I've I've heard them discussed, but but um, but I hadn't read them. Those those are kind of the things that he's doing. Writing that and companion books instead of writing Winds of Winter, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's frustrating as a as a fan of the books. It's real frustrating. <laughs> yeah, because basically, like the books are, except for all the companion shit, the books are very much in the same place now as when season one of the show dropped, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I waited um, six years for the what is it? The fifth book. Like in between the fourth and fifth books, I, I waited the six years that it took. I mean, I, I as soon as my friend gave me those books, I, I blasted through them. Uh, the, the first four had been out, or the, the fourth one had just come out, um, and so then I waited six years for the fifth one to come out, and I've been waiting ever since for the sixth one. Mm. That's a bummer. I mean, not not that I can really say anything about things being on hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> so how long has it been since you've done an episode oh it's it's been a minute man it's i think it was maybe back in june or something i think it was maybe amanda albers was, was the last oh, wow. episode i did and mostly it was just because work was so hellish for a while and it was putting me in such a state of anxiety that it was just mm -hmm. it was it was hard to even imagine doing one of these and it, it's it's it, we've gotten more people hired and it's gotten a little bit better lately and, and also the the true secret of if 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 we're texting and and i'm saying yeah it'd be awesome to do a start cast with you we should do that you did the magic thing where you reached out and you're like so when are we going to do this <laughs> and it's like oh let's do that next weekend and here we are <laughs> So, Here so, we are. So it goes to show I really need a kick in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, usually I'm the one in your position where I'm like, yeah, whatever, let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck, man. A lot's happened. A lot's happened since since that last time I recorded an episode. We had a, a like a Category 2 hurricane hit the Midwest. What the fuck? I know, right? Like, apparently when when you get a storm like that over land, it's called a derecho. I, oh. I still yeah, don't know if I'm pronouncing uh, that right. Jesse Candelori was telling me about that. Yeah, it, that, was, that was fucking bad, man. It, that was, at the time, like, I had been working from home, but then I had to go into the office for, like, a span of a couple weeks and work from in the office. And I was on a Monday of that second week in the office. I came home to have lunch. And as I was leaving, they were all like, wow, there's like all these storm warnings come in and be real careful driving home. And I got home, had just enough time to make a lunch meat sandwich and eat that. And then like, it was black outside and then the sirens wow. were going off and then the wind was really bad. The power went out. And so me and my family were more or less just huddled like <laughs> in an interior hallway <laughs> in my house. Oh, shit. Yeah. And just like, really kind of freaking out and like we heard a big bang the as soon as i heard that i knew that was a tree falling on the house and mm. and to just like glancing like like peeking out of the hallway and looking outside like seeing all this debris and everything coming down limbs everywhere and so then when the wind actually stopped and we went outside and took stock it was like uh, a big part of a, a tree in my yard had fallen over and was still on top of the house. There was limbs everywhere. My whole street was blocked in. There's power lines down everywhere. Um, so, I mean, that was on a Monday at noon and I didn't go back to work until the following Monday. And we didn't oh, get, wow. we didn't, we spent that entire week. We got power back on like two o'clock on the following Sunday. And so this was like, <sighs> I think it was August 10th when it happened. And so we had a six day stretch there in August with no electricity. 
except for you know my my dad once they got power back at their place a town they lives about uh, 10 15 minutes north of me and so they they just got the edge of it and so their town wasn't totally demolished like mine was and so they got power back fairly quick and so my dad let me borrow his generator so at least then we weren't you know i mean we were completely powerless dude i was having like i would go out there was people that were having to drive an hour or two north just to buy ice and gas for their cars and and so yeah it was long story short as soon as generators were back in stock around here i bought one because <laughs> I'm like, like the next time this shit they're happens, they're a necessary thing. Fuck yeah, they are. I mean, out here we, with our fire, with our fire stuff, we have generators all the time. Because, like, basically between August and the end of November is fire, like high fire season out here, and, and PG&E, our, our power company, will just turn power off if there's anything close to high winds with with the dry underbrush and everything. So it's that makes sense. We spend weeks at a time without power here oh, recently God. in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's, that's terrible, man. The, the wildfires in California, that is so scary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one in uh, 2017 um, that I had to fight was, like, the first one in my local area in a long time. Um, and it was really, really intense and... Uh, that's what has changed the company's policy for, um, they call them PSPSs, is public safety power shutoffs. So because one of their lines had gotten knocked down and started that fire, now they are preemptively shutting power off anytime the conditions even get close to that, which is smart. Yeah, but it makes sense. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, but it does absolutely suck for the, especially living in California, not having power. Fuck that. In August. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's rough. So, so when you say you were fighting the fire, like how how involved with that were you? Well, I was house sitting for my parents. Um, they were on a motorcycle trip to this, like they were in Alabama or someplace. Um, they're on their way back and so i was house sitting for them and uh the fire started um it got my grandmother and one of our neighbors out and then uh, one of my dad's friends came up and he and i and then his his wife and one of his daughters came up a little bit later to help but we those first couple nights we were by ourselves like then the fire was just coming and coming and uh, we managed to save my grandmother's house. She lost a couple of outbuildings. Um, we were able to save my parents' house and, like, the garage and everything. So it, it completely circled us, um, you know, within 20 feet of the house. Ugh. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was fucking intense for, for about a week there. <laughs> That's terrifying. Luckily, yeah, luckily my dad has been really really good about preparing the area um i mean he has a 5,000 gallon water tank we have a, a generator that automatically kicks on when out external power uh fails and it's it's um propane so it, it draws from this giant this big propane tank he has two well or not well um like hydrants basically um he has a, a 300 gallon water 
trailer. And then uh, my grandmother has a pool, so we basically suck that thing dry. <laughs> and then we we complete the first night that we were shooting water was we drained the 5,000 gallon water tank. Um, but luckily because of the generator, the well was able to replenish that. Oh, and nice. So we were able to, yeah, we were able to, we had power the whole time um, because of that generator. That generator saved that house. I mean, obviously having people to do stuff was helpful, but <laughs> if we hadn't had that generator, generator, we would have had to leave and it would have been gone. Oh man, natural disasters like that are scary. We've yeah, we've had four of them here. We've had two wind ones and and two floods. Oof. And the the first flood in 2008 was awful because like it was nobody expected it to be as bad as it was. It was the worst flood that this area has seen in recorded history and oh, like wow. I was I was talking with a neighbor who's who'd lived in this town like for 70 years maybe. And he was like telling me, Oh yeah. In the sixties, the water came up to here on the road. And then in 95, it came up to here. And so he was like, you know, saying, you know, all, all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, that means if water were to actually get up in my house, the entire town would have to be flooded. That's not going to happen. Well, the entire fucking town got flooded. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and so I've got a, like a one story house and it, the water was high enough to where it was like 18 inches up on every wall. Holy and shit. Yeah, it was fucking bad. And so we ended up getting assistance from FEMA and cleaning all that up and taking care of that. And then a couple of years, a few years later, we had a really bad windstorm in a, a, a really big tree fell on the house <laughs> and another limb that like just flew off and went down, punched a hole in my roof went down far enough to where it punched a hole in the living room ceiling also. And then the wind carried the oh, wow. limb away. So there was just a big <laughs> ragged hole in my ceiling and water dripping down. Oh man. Yeah. So, but I mean, in that instance, what, what's, what was weird too is like, it was getting to the point where I needed a new roof for my house. And then we have a bad windstorm. It puts a hole in it. And the insurance company comes up and goes, yep, you need a whole new roof. Here's a check. So like, oh, well, that's <laughs> serendipitous. I, it, it is, but I'd really rather not go through the natural disaster for a tab. Well, obviously, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, kind of like like we lost so many trees because of the fire that my parents actually made money off the insurance, and then they were able to pay me and and, and Ed like ten grand each for saving their house. Wow. You know, that is weird because like after that, that derecho we had when the insurance guy came and he was like looking at, at all the before pictures and then seeing my yard clean. Now he's like, how long did it take you guys to clean all that up? I'm like, oh, like eight hours. He's like, oh, okay, good. Well, we're going to pay you eight hours of labor for cleanup. So I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. And so it's pretty amazing. Like that guy went through everything with a fine tooth comb. He's like up on top of my garage, like circling things with chalk and shit. And he's like, yep, you need a whole new garage roof also. I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you need, okay. need a new overhead door. We're going to pay for that. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> like I, I, I like being helped out for, from insurance, but I don't like going through the natural disaster to get there. I mean, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, Four I mean, that them. shit's scary. Four of them now. <laughs> Four of them yeah. in, what, 14 years? So... 
Yeah, we had the, the, those two huge fires here this year, uh, the LNU in August. Uh, there was a weird freak lightning storm that, like, it was, we have, like, three of the largest fires out of the top ten in California history were started that night. Um, and then, like, a month later, we had another fire start nearby, and it was even closer. So it's like Ugh. you look at the maps of the areas that have burned, and, and like, it's all except for just, like, the towns themselves. Everywhere else has compl- been burned within the last three or four years. It's insane. And it's accelerating because of the climate change. I mean, you know, it. it, Yeah, I mean, that's that's another one of those things that should never have been politicized. But I think it's also one of those things that gets ruined by money is that, you know. Yeah. You look at like the oil companies, they have they're spending all this money on disinformation and they have been for since the 70s. Um, I mean, that their science, their internal scientists knew about cli- the effects of fossil fuel burning back in the 70s, and they hid it from the public, just like the tobacco companies hid it from the public that cigarettes are bad for you. Um, so it's it's again, it comes down to money. When when mm. money is your ultimate goal in the society, then that's what's going to be protected, and everything else is going to go to shit. Yeah, and that is super troubling. I mean, and and you see it time and time again, like you said with with tobacco. Uh, it happened with with leaded fuel in the push to get it to to switch to unleaded fuel. You know, any time there's people making a bunch of money off it, and it's going to cut into their profits to do the right thing, they're not going to do the right thing unless you regulate them to do it. And, yeah, and nobody you wants force their hands. Exactly, <laughs> they need to be forced to do it because. When, when the entire point of a corporation is to just make money for the stockholders, then you're not going to spend some of that money to do things the right way unless you're legally bound to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it just goes back to, to the, the worst qualities of the human condition, just ruining it for everybody else. You know, it's, yeah. it's fucking sad. It really is. And we could do so much better. I mean, and I, I keep going back to Star Trek on this. It's like that vision of the future is what I, it's my ideal vision of the future where it's a post-scarcity world where everybody's taking, their basic needs are taken care of. You're free to explore with your mind and, and basically learn for the sake of learning rather than to get a good job or something. And like, that's the direction we should be trying to go to but instead we're, we're headed towards mad max world and it's oh, yeah it's really frightening yeah well and that's that's why i'll never that's why i never understand the blue collar republicans I, I'll, I'll never understand yeah. the people who want to vote the exact same way that like a multimillionaire would it's like you fundamentally yeah. should not vote for the same candidate that like a multimillionaire would not especially not in our society because the yeah. they're living an entirely different life than, than, than the blue collar yeah. workers. They, I just, I don't get it. But eh. yeah. <laughs> people vote against their own best interests all the time. Yeah. It's like, but people are so propagandized and they're stuck in these these um, um, echo chambers where like the very worst aspects of their belief systems get. Uh, 
like they they get louder and louder and and people that just drowns out any kind of common sense and I, I also think there's a fundamental lack of empathy um in our society and that's the first step in in becoming socialist is being able to care for somebody that you don't know and, and, and care about somebody's situation that is not your own. Um, and, and to be able to put yourself into somebody else's shoes and to see that the world through their eyes is, is something that is not encouraged in our society. And it really, really should be. Yeah. It, I mean, it should. Um, and I'd like, I don't listen to too much of his podcasts anymore, but, but I used to listen to quite a bit of Joe Rogan and most, most of the reason I don't listen to him anymore is because I, I feel like I, I, I don't know, just a lot of the shit coming out of his mouth anymore these days. I'm like, eh, did you really think about that before you said that? <laughs> but, but like some of the things that he used to always say, like one of the things that would always resonate with me is that the way to make America better is to have less losers in it, which means helping people to be better like doing yeah. like like what you said like a, like something to where all their basic needs are taken care of and now they're able to go out and and explore life and maybe come up with something to where it's not something that's going to make a lot of money doing it but it's going to make a a difference culturally it's going to enrich society yeah. culturally if if now all of a sudden somebody who's always had an artistic bend in their life you know they're not having to go out and and completely Work expel jobs. yeah expel all their energy just to be able to survive and then they don't have any energy left to to create and do the thing that arguably this is what they're here to do you know society as a whole misses out as a result yeah yeah we all lose if the person or the people who could be doing better aren't able to do better yeah yep yeah and and the mentality of well, nobody helped me, and I and I made it just fine. Well, but we can't just clear everybody's student debts. I paid off my debt. It's like, well, good for you. I also paid off my student loans <laughs> for a, a degree that I don't use. Like that, that graphic <laughs> design degree is doing me a fuckload of good. <laughs> you know, it, I paid that off. It took a while. It sucked. I paid it off, and you know what? I would be absolutely ecstatic if I heard that. All of a sudden, all student loans have been forgiven. It's just going to do a clean so slate. Nobody else Fuck has it. to go through the shit you did. Yeah, but then to think that I there's mean, a subset of the population that's like, "Fuck that! I paid mine off. They have to pay theirs off." And it's like, "What is wrong with you?" I re I remember the philosophy that like my parents had was, you know, they they worked the way they did so that I would have a better life. Like that was kind of the point. Yeah, like that's what you're each successive generation is supposed to have a better life than the previous one. But now like, there's this weird, like anger towards the younger generations for trying to have that better life. I, I, I just don't get it. I thought that was the point. Like, that's why you went through that suffering. Exactly. Was so that your children and their children would have better lives. Yeah, I mean that's that's what makes sense, and 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 what's weird is that the reality of it is, is is like we were saying earlier in the fifties, it was one person going out, working, 
the 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 other the other spouse was staying at home so there was just you know your families with a single income and everybody was getting by and being fine now you've got families yeah. where both the parents are going out and working maybe multiple jobs and they're still not even staying even that means that the quality of life in america is actually taking a downturn the the, the next generation didn't become better these the the you know, the baby boomer generation worked their ass off to try and give the next generation a better life, but it didn't come through because everything else around them went up in price and wages for the most part stayed the same. So, I mean, how are people going to get ahead when that happens? They they can't. And and the system is rigged against them to not allow it to happen because the people that are making all the money are influencing the politicians who write the rules. The politicians themselves have been there way too fucking long. I mean, yeah, I mean, America is ripe for change and, and we're, we're at a, a tipping point where when we see things with, with a subset of the population refusing the elect, the election results and, and you get rhetoric from some people, the GOP saying that, Oh, maybe these States should just go out and form their own union. And it's like, really, you're going to try that again. I mean, just the, <laughs> you lost 200 years or a hundred years ago. Why would you think it, <laughs> it was working? Or I guess it was almost 200 years ago now. Yeah. Let's not forget that years the, ago. the white flag of surrender is the only Confederate flag that really matters. Um, yep. <laughs> but it's it, the, the thing that I worry about is that, you know, I've got, I've got a 12 year old son soon to be 13 and, and a 10 year old son. I, I really worry about what the what what this world's going to look like by the time they're adults, you know, especially by yeah. the time they're that that age where you got to sign up for the fucking, you know, be on the stupid selective service thing that, you know, it, it, yeah. I, I, I respect and admire anybody who's willing to join the military and and put themselves in a position where they would, you know, potentially give their life up for their country. But. I I've never been the type to where that would that would never work for me because I I'm too much of a free thinker. If, if somebody tells me to go do something, I I expect it to be there to be a why? logical reason <laughs> on on why we're doing this. And from a lot of friends I've had yeah. with people in the army, like it, that's not a place where where logic is. It's not encouraged. <laughs> from no. some of the stories I've heard, it's like you did what? Like, <laughs> And so I have a lot of respect for that, but at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I just worry about the future. I, I, because it's like, we're saying the the time is ripe for revolution, but I also don't want to see a violent revolution. I, I certainly don't want to see any sort of civil war thing and the amount of, you know, gun toting GOPers that are seemingly frothing at the mouth for civil war too. It's like, yeah. What the? It's like, have you guys really thought that through? I mean, clearly not. Yeah, I mean, I like, I I went to a lot of the protests over the summer um, after after George Floyd, and I I was really angry, um, and obviously I'm coming from a place of extreme privilege compared to a, a lot of the other people who were involved, um, and like then I don't I have mixed feelings about what's considered violence like I don't I don't really consider burning down a Walmart violence that's that's a pretty natural reaction to being oppressed by the system for your entire life and your 
parents' entire lives and their parents' entire lives. So I completely understand that. It's when you start attacking each other, other humans, that's when it becomes violence. And the way the police um, responded was with extensive violence. And, and like yeah. that just escalated matters. And it's like, so wait, the, the, what we're protesting against is the, is the police being violent against black people. But then they respond by doing more violence against black people. How yeah. I, I don't, get how that's an appropriate response no it's like we're protesting police violence and so police at a time where they've never been under more public scrutiny than they are right now double down on violence and it's like yeah. you guys are out of your fucking minds it's like <laughs> completely missed the point <laughs> god i i remember i remember i i grew up listening to lots of henry rollins spoken word stuff oh yeah and He's great uh, Dude, it's and so there's just so many things that are like life lessons that pop into my head to where me growing up in rural Iowa, I I I, I shouldn't I shouldn't know about these things <laughs> like that sort of stuff. <laughs> where it's like Henry Rollins, like especially when you like if you read Get in the Van, like which is like oh, the yeah. the tour journals from when he was in Black Flag and stuff, and you read like the 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 run-ins that they had with the police and the way that the police treated them just for being you know punk rockers and shit and you're like that's why he that's why if a cop's being a, a dick to him he's just like yeah you guys were wild when you invaded poland you know <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> for him to say that <laughs> but for me like he, I, he is you know i grew up with that mentality why i love the movie the chase yes oh my he's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> that's just so perfect have you heard the spoken word stuff where he was talking about what it was like when they filmed that no i haven't heard that they were they were filming it, i think he said it was like somewhere in texas maybe and he said that like they'd just be out shooting all day and like under the desert sun so they're just like caking makeup all over your face so that like you don't get washed out by the sun and then he'd like get done like shooting all day and be exhausted but know that he can't just go back to his hotel room and go to sleep he's he's got to go to the gym and work out and so he'd go <laughs> to the gym and he said he was the first time he was in there he's like doing all these workouts and all these dudes are like looking at him and looking at him real hard like and he's like what the fuck is this i don't want any problems like i'll just go into the bathroom and just lap water out of the sink and he said he went in there and looked in the mirror and was like oh god i still have on all this makeup <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's doing his impression of what the fucking redneck guys are like, they're like, we will never forgive you, you fag bastard, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, lots of life lessons from Henry Rollins He's fantastic. But, I got to see him do one of his spoken word things. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, that was like 15 years ago. Holy shit. Um, and he was talking about his travels through Russia and it was just absolutely fascinating, um, <laughs> to hear his train stories through Siberia. <laughs> he's a fascinating dude. And what he's doing with his life yeah. now is just really incredible too. He just basically travels to places that he's never been before and just wanders around, takes pictures and then writes articles on it, collects rare records. Yeah, he's, he's a fantastic human being. He he was a big uh, USO 
contributor for a long time. I don't know if he's still doing that or not, but he was going multiple times a year to go do shows uh, like in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's awesome. That's really admirable. Yeah. Man, I had a friend that um, spent, I think it was 14 months living in a tent at the Baghdad airport. Jesus. God, I just, because he was at that base that was there. And I remember getting letters back from him and stuff and just being so fucking worried about him being over there. And so the, those entertainers that, that do that USO stuff and they go over there and, and entertain, entertain the troops when they're in places like that. That's, that's huge. I got a lot of respect for those people that do that. People using their platform for the right things. Kind of like Dolly Parton's been doing. Oh, right. Yeah. If she doesn't get a congressional medal. You know, during Biden's yeah. term, it's it's like, dude, you're you're missing out. Like she's she done should so have been much. the time person of the year, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is really. I I just thought it was so funny that they gave it to Biden and Harris, and it's like, uh, this probably made Trump uh, mad, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, going back I to mean, time, also did give the. Uh, person of the year to hitler once so oh my god really (laughs) (laughs) yeah like 1933 or something Uh, yeah but in hindsight they were like "Hmm." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's say yeah going going back to henry rollins though that that stuff resonated with me like once i started skateboarding though because being a skateboarder Mm. in small town iowa Man, the police would just want to go up and fuck with you. And so from like a a young age, like, you know, at first when I was listening to that spoken word stuff, I didn't really get it because it was like, oh, cops, McGruff dog and stuff. They come like they're the good guys. Right. And it's like, man, as soon as you start doing stuff to where it's like not in line with like the what they want to see everybody else around them doing, like they come down on you and they come down on you hard. And if you don't fucking give into that little fucking, if you don't stroke their ego, it's like they become threatened by it. And like, there's too many people in the world that confuse, like, you know, there's like two different types of respect. There's like the respect that's like, there's a level of love and admiration with it. And it's something that's earned. And then there's the respect where it's like, you just give that person respect because they're authority. And I think some cops conflate those two things in their head and they just like expect this this level of respect to be given to him where it's like, you know, if, if you threw some kindness out your way, it would be a lot easier to give you respect. But, but if you're going to yeah. come into this with some sort of ego of I'm authority and therefore you have to bow down to me, I have the type of mentality where I'm like, Oh, you're authority. And you're saying I have to do this just because you're authority. That immediately triggers my fuck you response. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, Cartman. Expect <laughs> yeah. God, the <laughs> amount of times that that I had cops give me shit because I had a skateboard in my hand, or or because me and my friends were kicking a hacky stack on the street, and they were saying uh, we're impeding traffic, and it's like this is small town Iowa, and it's eleven thirty no at traffic. night. <laughs> you are the traffic. <laughs> we're impeding traffic. Like, go over there and stand in the grass. And it's like, there's no street light over there. We can't see the hacky sack. Why don't you go home? Uh, and it's like, we're not 
or or the amount of times that they just roll up and just be like, get out of the car like all right everybody just line up turn out your pockets take off your shoes and then just like yeah. fucking like trying to find any reason they can to bust you and it's like wow you guys are really bored right now aren't you well yeah i mean i, I think a lot of people who go into uh, law enforcement they want that excitement that they've seen propagandized on tv and when you're in a small town, you don't get that excitement. I mean, I, I live in a small town. I grew up in a small town. It's the cops have nothing better to do than bust kids for stupid shit. Yeah. And, 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 and it's one of those things where I, I don't believe in generalizations. And so, you know, right. I say these things and, and I don't want listeners to think that, that I think every cop is like that because I know that, that's not the way the world works. Nothing is ever a hundred percent of anything. And so you right. can't, you can't say that all cops are bad. Just like you can't always say, you know, like you must believe all cops. It's like, no, no, there's at the end of the day, it's still people doing those jobs and, and people either suck or excel <laughs> on it at an individual level. <laughs> you, you know, you, yeah. because like, like my, my younger cousin is a, is a cop in Cedar Rapids and, and I couldn't ever for the life of me see her doing anything that would ever be like a shitty cop thing. Because I know without a doubt that she's a very good person. But, dude, I've had run-ins with other cops where I'm like, you have no business being a cop. Like, you you, like, you shouldn't yeah. even be a fucking security guard at a Walmart. Like, <laughs> like, like you know, let alone, like, they, they shouldn't even give you a heavy key ring to throw at somebody let alone a fucking gun and shit like yeah <sighs> but there is there is a reason a, a systemic reason why firefighters are m- more universally respected and police are not and it's because of the fact that firefighters are always there to save you or or to save your home or whatnot whereas you know cops in general I mean, again, with the generalizations, they are not there to save you. They're there to enforce the rules, a lot of which are bad rules, you know? Yeah. So there's there's that, like, that, like that's just, like, how it is right now. And there needs to be a lot of changes, man. There needs to be a lot of fucking changes in our system. Yeah, there definitely needs to be systemic changes made to the way that police departments run and operate. And, and I, I think defund the police was maybe like the worst slogan that they could have come up with that, especially in an election year, but I totally (laughs) get what they're coming from. I understand where they're coming from with the rhetoric. I just think the way that they passed that message along was not like very clear. It's an activist message. And originally it's abolished the police defund was the watering it down because these governments have no problem defunding education or defunding after-school programs or defunding the arts. Uh, they do it all the goddamn time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the percentage of, of municipal budgets, and it's skewed heavily in favor of law enforcement. Uh, I think what is it, L.A. has like, an, uh, like a three oh, billion yeah, like dollar. An, yeah, I was gonna say it's in the billions, isn't it? Yeah, it's like three billion dollars that they spend on law enforcement every year and yet their schools are failing. So why aren't we funding the schools and, and funding programs that 
cops are not trained to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a lot of the things that cops get called to go do is not within their wheelhouse, so they escalate because they turn they need to turn into something that they understand. And like a lot of these mental health issues, they need to be taken care of by trained, skilled professionals in that field. So we should be funding those programs in order to allow the right people to respond to the right situations. No, that and is true. I think true. cops are asked cops are asked to do way too much yes they have an impossible job yeah i I totally agree with that and we so we need to change what the scope of their job is that's absolutely true because they they shouldn't be like and if you are sending cops to like a, a call that's clearly has to do with like some sort of mental illness it would be really helpful to have somebody with you that understands that sort of stuff and can drive that situation and you know the the sad part of the the sad part of the reality is is that there are lots of violent people out there and so oh yeah and and you know and if i were in some sort of situation where i mean shit this happened to me earlier this year my i had neighbors that were next door that moved out of state and they were still in the process of selling their house and it was taking longer than they expected and my one neighbor had said to me he goes here's my phone number if you ever notice anything weird going on over there, you know, don't hesitate to give me a call. I don't care what time it is. Like, I want to know about it. And so I'm doing dishes one night and I look out my back window and I can see that there's flashlights and then they're darkened house. And I'm like, that's not good. And so I go outside and walk down the street and there's two trucks that I've never seen before parked alongside the street. And I can hear like banging noises, like from inside the house. And I'm like, okay, this has been on the market forever. Is there people in there like stealing all the copper piping right now? And so I called, called Dan right away. And I was like, do you have people coming over to view the house right now? And he's like, no. And I'm like, do you want me to call the Lane County Sheriff's department and report this? And he's like, if, if you don't mind, please do. And so I called and reported yeah. it. And you know, within about 10 minutes or so, like fucking six cop cars, we're like blocking off our street and checking it out. And apparently it was a realtor that was in there with a, with a client and supposedly the, the breaker was out and they were trying to find to where, where to get the power going again. And so when I talked to the homeowner out, like my neighbor, former neighbor on the phone afterwards, and he was telling me all this stuff, he's like, I still think it sounds shady and you did the right thing. So, but yeah, and that's a situation that should, that, that they should be, do, do absolutely like that's that is their the scope of their job their their job should not be to uh be placed in schools and, and like place like excessively placed in these in these neighborhoods that have no money um you know it, it's oh, there's so many problems well no just a, <laughs> a better use of of that tax money would go into yeah. let's elevate this neighborhood and make it better let, let's make the yeah. schools in this area better so exactly. that when the kids come out of them, they got a better chance of getting a good job. Let's do things to this community to make this community better so that the people in it don't feel like they have to turn to crime yeah. to be able to pay their bills. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, America would be better with just helping out people. And yeah. And for some reason, our our society has a hard time with that. And it really blows my mind that, that – 
the party that calls itself the moral majority more often than not is the one that's standing in the way of doing that. And yeah, again, it's, it's all this money. It's just this fucking money all the time. That's why I hate capitalism as a system because <laughs> when your goal is money, the people lose. It really does seem to be that way because it's, when a corporation exists to only make money for its stockholders, that means it's going to do a lot of shady shit along the way to do that. And, yeah. And, and, and if that means they're going to pay their workers the, the least amount that they can get away with and still keep them there, if they're going to keep as few on, if they're going to keep just enough staff on hand to do, to just barely do the job. it's like, wow, that might yeah. be, that might be great for, you know, for the board of directors or, or whoever the fuck is siphoning the profits off this, but it's terrible for the, the emotional and, and physical well-being of the actual people who work there. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, if all this money's just going to like, what, what is it? Just like less than a thousand people in America are like the top, like wealth holders. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> America's turning yeah, into like an oligarchy before our very eyes. And that's. Oh, it's already there. I mean, <laughs> anybody who's read the Republic is like, that's just the oligarchy is just the first step on the way to fucking ruination. Yeah. It's like, the, yeah, it, isn't that, wasn't that Socrates first degradation of a democracy is it's going to go into an oligarchy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we've, it's happened before. I mean, right before the fall of the Roman empire, this is exactly what it looked like. They had corrupt senators lining their own pockets and letting the people starve. And that's exactly what's happening right now. I mean, I've been a Patton Oswalt is the one who got me into doomsday thinking, um, believing that I'm going to see the apocalypse in my, t my in my lifetime. And I, I still fully believe it's going to happen. I, I think we're going to see the complete collapse of, of American society within before I die. I mean, it's going to happen. Ugh. God, that that thought is is just always scared the shit out of me, and it's taken so much more of like a a visceral, fearful presence in my life since I've had kids. Oh, I bet. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, it's one reason why I never had kids was because I I had this fundamental belief that I would not be giving that they would not be able to fulfill their lives, um, and that's just a personal thing. It's no judgment on anybody who does have kids. Like that's just my own thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't see a good way out of this unless we change things now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we're going to start seeing changes like that happening. I would love it. <laughs> I really, I, <laughs> I, I have all these doomsday sayings a lot of the time. I have this doomsday thinking a lot of the time, but, but I really hope that I am proven wrong. Like I, I, I always hope I'm wrong about stuff and too often I'm not. And that's, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. That, that's one of those ones where I definitely, hope. I mean, you know, because in a lot of times you're not, you're not going to make change until you've hit rock bottom. And, and so the question is, is has America hit rock bottom yet in, in this era? I mean, cause obviously that's, that, that had to have been what happened at the Civil War, right? I mean, they things got so low to where the yeah. the the country essentially split and then fought for a long time, and that was our rock bottom. You know, Americans en masse killing other Americans 
And then somehow we clawed our way back out of that. And now we're just, it seems like we're just coming close to that rock bottom again. And I really hope we can get there without resorting to that level of violence. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been reading a lot of, um, um, like black theory books, uh, over the last year, you know, trying to educate myself about the black experience in this country. And part of what got us out of the civil war times was white people turning a blind eye to what was actually happening in the South. Um, and basically saying, okay, let's just stop. And we're not going to talk about this anymore. And like that, uh, that, that mentality is what, what carried us through for a long time. But now with the prevalence of documentation, a lot of these, these, systems that have been in existence for forever are now getting exposed on a daily basis. And it's just, <sighs> I mean, it's infuriating yeah. all the time. And, you know, and especially with access to like social media where you, where individual people can take a video with their damn phone and immediately upload it onto Twitter. You can see what's happening in real time. And it, it's, it, the problems have always been here. They're just finally getting filmed and, and distributed widely. And that's, that's really what it seems like is that these things have always happened. But now the fact that nearly every American has a high definition camera in their pocket, mm-hmm. you know, it, and, you know, kind of going back to what we said earlier about people were protesting because of police violence and in an era where everybody has a camera, they doubled down on police <laughs> violence in a lot of yeah. areas. God, that video of them pushing that old dude over and him just laying on the ground oh bleeding God. out of his head while they were just all walking past him. And the one guy who almost, like, he, he makes a move to help and his, his fellow officer pulls him away. Oh, uh, that's that thin blue line shit that drives me fucking crazy. Yeah. And that's yeah. another job right there where if you're a sociopath, you should not be in law enforcement. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but unfortunately, from what we've seen in, in a lot of these videos it tends to attract that kind of person, you know, positions of power are really um, coveted by, by people who have no moral conscience, no moral compass, no, no, and no conscience. Uh, yeah. It's the worst person to put in the <laughs> leadership role in, in my mind. Like the, I think the highest quality in a leader in a good leader is empathy. Yes. Because, I mean, how can you make good decisions for a group if you can't empathize empathize with people (laughs) in that group? You you can't. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I've always admired about Bernie Sanders is that he seems to have a very, very, very high degree of empathy. Um, I mean, ever since he ran for mayor in Burlington, he's, he's been talking about how society needs to be judged based upon its its poorest parts of the population yeah and how they and are treated by the other parts of that exactly. society are, are they yeah. shunned do you look at them like they don't even exist do you find them disgusting mm, you're yeah. failing as well, a society then you you're yeah and like right now with uh, you know evictions are happening because people can't afford to pay their rents because they're not allowed to work because the industries have shut down because we're in the midst of a pandemic and then in like LA you have sheriffs going and, and 
and forcibly evicting people from homes that have been sitting empty for years that people are kind of squatting in because they have nowhere else to go. So it's like, why? <laughs> you're doubling down again. I mean, yeah. this is, this is, you're literally, you've already thrown these people out of a place where they can live. And now you're just stepping on their throats again. And it's, uh, man, <laughs> it's infuriating. <laughs> no, it is absolutely infuriating. And it just shows how ineffective our government is that, that yeah. during, during this time where we really, needed them to come through and take care of people they didn't they they came through yeah. and they took care of wall street and then allowed yep. wall and allowed all these big businesses that got all this bailout money to then they just went ahead and fired people anyway yeah and so it's like well where did that fucking money go oh the guy at the top now got bought Pockets. a bigger yacht <laughs> like, yeah. okay well fuck that guy yeah and, and one part of like this this government stimulus stuff is that the Republicans were really, really pushing for is uh, protecting companies who put their employees in harm's danger by making them work in unsafe conditions uh, during a pandemic. And that's one stipulation of the bill that's making it be held up is yeah. like, uh, like really? Okay. This is even more sociopathic bullshit. Come on here. Yeah, yeah, you want us to, like, write in protections that we can't fucking hold employees accountable for making them do shady shit in the name of money? We can't hold them accountable for literally stepping on the bodies of their employees? Like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, Neil, the darkness keeps dragging us back today. I know, I can't it's, help it, man. It's... <laughs> This is the kind of shit I think about like all the fucking time, which is why I'm not like numbing my brain with, with <laughs> rewatching Supernatural. Oh, <laughs> like, right. If yeah. I'm going to watch a horror show. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've done so many depression binges. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, one like, of the funnest ones I did was I went back and listened to every single episode of the Your Mom's House podcast. That was like available on Apple and that mm. fucking podcast is so silly and so fucked up. They, they like find really fucked up videos on the internet and just play them for like everybody that comes on their show. And then like when you actually <laughs> watch the YouTube version and watch the way that these people react to these videos, this <laughs> is fucking great. Um, but yeah, your mom's house, that's uh, with Tom Segura and Christina Pazitsky. And oh, so, nice. Oh, it is, dude, that podcast is so fucking funny. Highly recommend the podcast. It's not one that you, <laughs> you can't listen to it at work, though, because, like, the the sort of shit that they play on there, you cannot have it playing in a speaker in an office or you will lose your job. <laughs> <laughs> you will get reported to HR. <laughs> This is a hostile work environment now. <laughs> <laughs> there was one, though, man. They had... They had um, oh, the singer from Panic at the Disco was on an episode, mm. and it turns out that like he's like a huge fan of the show, and so it was kind of funny listening to him be on there. But then um, he took that song "High High Hopes" and sang a different <laughs> version of the chorus and turned it into "Hot Hot Farts." <laughs> <laughs> and so immediately I was like, 
I really like this guy. <laughs> he can take a super popular song of his and turn it into something about farts. That's fucking awesome. That's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> That's basically uh, Shakespearean. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I went through and listened to a whole bunch of that. That was fun for a while. Um, oh, and then recently I've been... Um, um, my wife and kids have been going through all the, the Harry Potter books. And mm. so like, I'll, I'll catch snippets of that, you know, when I'm going out to like get coffee and stuff during work. And so I went back and started listening to binge mode, Harry Potter. And so that's like the, the next best thing I've been doing besides actually reading the books is like just listening to a podcast where it like kind of deep dives on all the books. Oh, nice. And, yeah. And so that's been kind of fun. I've kind of been revisiting the Harry Potter books in a way. <laughs> without actually going back and rereading them. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually been... I, I, man, I, I watched a lot of reaction videos on YouTube to, like, Rage Against the Machine and System of a Down, like, people hearing it for the first time. Oh, nice. Um, there's a, there's another sh- YouTube show. Um, it's a channel called Fan Theory. It's... it's uh, they have a bunch of like reaction videos of people of them watching different shows. They started with We Watch Whedon, and they did. Uh, all, they've done. They're through, like halfway through season six of Buffy. They're on season four of Angel, or season three of Angel, and then they do. They did Firefly. Um, they're doing Supernatural. <laughs> they do Doctor Who. They do Game of Thrones. And it's basically the setup is one person who's seen it already, and then the other person is completely going in blind. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, like, but that person is continuing on. Like, it's not a different blind person every every week. It's the same duo, but they're they haven't seen the stuff. So it's it's kind of a fun dynamic where you have one fan and one person who isn't who becomes a fan because the shows are great, but had never seen them before. So it's a kind of a fun little diversion nice that's really awesome yeah um i i had a friend recommend binge mode to me when um Mm. uh it was their their game of thrones uh episodes and it was really in depth and then they were doing a thing on every episode where they would go in and just highlight something else that was you know maybe pertinent from that episode but then they do a deep dive on like the history of it and tell you all this other stuff about it and so like you know, they do all this research before every episode and then they, um, you know, they portray it in, in an adult, very funny way. <laughs> and so like <laughs> the Harry Potter ones, it's been great. Like, especially when they're doing Prisoner Azkaban and with Harry, you know, trying to conjure a Patronus, which is basically just shooting silvery stuff out the end of his wand. <laughs> <laughs> yep, got where that was going. <laughs> Yeah, this whole and, this whole uh, side thing like, going it, about how McGonagall was like laying bets on Harry Potter, and that's why she brought him <laughs> in as the youngest seeker and bought him a broom just because she was playing this long game <laughs> <laughs> with her bookie. <laughs> it's totally funny shit, man. That's uh, hilarious. But like, yeah, the but like, what really hooks me on those is the level of research they do, and then the deep dive stuff where they're telling you this stuff nice. where. You know, I mean, I've read all the Harry Potter books, but like, I'm not like a super fan where I've gone in and, you know, researched every little tidbit that, that, you know, JKR's like released about, you know, shit that you wouldn't find in the books. 
but that's kind of a neat place to find it in this. And I'm that's up to cool. the Deathly Hollows now, so I'm almost done, and I'm kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it always the case when you find something that you're really enjoying, and then you know it's going to end soon? Yes. And you're like kind of putting it off. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, like, no, totally. Because like, season 15, the final season uh, of Supernatural, is finally all on Netflix, and I- I've been really kind of hesitant to get there, because <laughs> I know it's the end of the series, and I want to see it, yes, but I also want to continue my, like, rewatch instead, and get there in time. <laughs> yeah, because that means it's over, like, you get that last one, you're like, yeah. it's done, done, like. Yeah. Uh that is a that's a weird sort of depression. That's got to be something totally new to society, also, right? Is the depression of being able to like Probably. cram so much of something in such a small time, and then just have that be, you know, that's almost like a subplot of your everyday life. Is I'm going to spend <laughs> a lot of time watching this thing, and then when it's over, it's it's like this feeling of sadness mixed in with, well, what do I do with myself now? You yeah. know, my epic quest has come what, to an end. What does my life mean anymore? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I've watched, uh, I binged all of Great British Breaking Show. And then when the new <laughs> season came out, I was watching that week to week. And then I, I've re-binged the entire series already again. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember I remember back when when we got our first DVR and we were really going nuts with like, you know, watching God, we watched so much Law and Order <laughs> and shit back in those days. <laughs> I bet. But then well, there's we, so much of it to watch. Oh gosh. And then we got into Chopped. And so we were just watching like we would turn on Chopped and watch like eight episodes in a row. <laughs> It's a, it is kind of funny, you know, the, the, the things that you'll latch onto and, and binge like that. Yeah. <laughs> Never got into the great, uh, the, the British baking show one, but I've heard it's fantastic. Oh, it's delightful. It's, it's, again, it's one of those shows that's like super upbeat, even though it's a competition. Um, I mean, it's so British, so it's obviously very magical in that sense. Um, but just like you get to know these people and they're all so supportive of each other. It just makes you feel good, even though you know that every week or every episode, somebody's going to have to leave. And yeah, it, it's, it's just very delightful. It's, it's the perfect term for it. <laughs> Comfort food television. Yeah, literally <laughs> I mean, the stuff they make on there is looks real good. <laughs> it's definitely up to my uh, baked goods consumption. <laughs> my wife always watches um, that Food Network show, The Kitchen, on um, uh, mornings on the weekend. And so this morning, I, I'm sitting there watching, and they were doing like a breakfast macaroni and cheese that Ooh. looked goddamn incredible. <laughs> like it's all snowy and everything outside, and I'm like you know what? I think I would brave the snow to go to the grocery store and how to buy all these <laughs> ingredients. <laughs> but yeah, dude, they, did you, they, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> my, my, my biggest thing today, besides doing this podcast was I spent a few hours out in the garage, um, getting my garage all cleaned up and organized. Cause it's been, uh. it's been a fucking disaster. And, um, 
And yeah, I, I got insurance money to put a new overhead door in, but I need to have it oh, actually cleaned up enough so technicians could come in and put in a fucking door. <laughs> Gotta have that workspace ready for them. Yeah, yeah. And so I got that all taken care of today. But no, dude, this breakfast macaroni and cheese. So they get the mac and cheese all ready, and then they did toasted breadcrumbs on top of it. And then they put little divots in the top of the macaroni and cracked an egg in. So there was like a half dozen or so eggs on top of it. And so when it baked oh. and then came out, there was an egg with like, you know, cooked egg still with a runny yolk. So right when you'd like cut into it, the oh. egg yolk mixed in with the mac and cheese. <laughs> oh. oh, and the mac and cheese amazing. had diced ham and, and and sweet peppers and onions and stuff. In it. No shit, right? Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, it sounds so good. It sounds very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holy shit. Yeah, no, if if it's not snowing all day tomorrow, I think I'm gonna smoke a pol- a pork shoulder. Will be my Ooh. my big thing I'm gonna do. Yeah, well we had that big windstorm and I had a um like a Oklahoma Joe's uh offset smoker. And so I'd done like ribs a couple times with it, but really it was like, okay, I'm going to just hang out in my backyard for six hours, making sure that this stays at 225. And so really it's like, I liked the ribs as that I would get at the end of it, but what a pain in the ass to do all that. Well, that big ass windstorm, one of the big limbs that came down in my yard, totally crushed my smoker. Like couldn't even get the lid open on it. Oh no. And, um, it was like a really, really nice one that my dad had bought. And he gave it to me. And then when he found out that it was crushed after the storm, um, you know, he was like, oh, well, you know, this, this, this grill was this much. And so, you know, the insurance guy's like, oh, your grill's total. Do you know how much, what the value on that was? And I was like, well, it was this much. And so they, they gave me enough on my insurance check to where I was able to get one of those dope green mountain grills. That's like the, the pellet grill that like it hooks up to your Wi-Fi oh. and everything. And so nice. I fucking splurged and got like a Cadillac of a smoker. This thing is the shit, dude. Now you can monitor it from inside. Yeah, I can monitor it from fucking anywhere in the world as long as my Wi-Fi is good. <laughs> I mean, it has everything except for a video feed to actually watch it. But I mean, like, like yeah, it, like it has two oh. built-in meat probes that, that you can just check the internal temperature of your meat just by glancing at your phone. And, Super, what the fuck? super fucking what handy, world dude. Is this? I know, and, and then and then that's another one of those things. I never would have gotten that fancy fucking grill had there not been a natural disaster that destroyed my old one. And so it's like I don't know. I keep coming out on top of these natural disasters, but I'm really fucking tired of going through them. <laughs> I'm so fucking tired of cleaning up fucking flood mud and down fucking tree limbs and shit. But it's like. You know, when they say nationwide is on their, on your side, they're not fucking around. They're really on your side. <laughs> accurate. Accurate. It's very accurate. <laughs> you know, like with most companies, like most places, you know, when you think of insurance, like the jingle should be like nationwide will fuck your mouth. But it's like, it, it's not. They actually took care of me <laughs> every time. <laughs> You're generating too much goodwill. What's happening? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, and then a few weeks ago, yeah, they had to help me out again. Or not a few weeks, but probably about a month ago or so. They had to help me out again. I was driving down the highway. I totaled my fucking forerunner on a deer. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was sad about that one, dude. 
I was you so okay? excited. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, dude, that forerunner took like we barely even felt anything in the cab. And and it was actually good. I was in that instead of a car because I think if I had been in a car, that deer would have went right through the windshield. And it was one of the bigger deer that I've ever seen. It was probably like a 12, 12, at least a 12 point buck. Wow. That's and a big deer. It, and I was doing like 55 when I hit it. And that thing was launched and it was not in the ditch when I walked back looking for it. So that means that thing took a hit like that, got up and ran, probably ran into wow. the timber and fucking found a place to die. <laughs> I felt bad about it, but man, to- total. What are you going to do? I mean. Absolutely totaled that forerunner. That was a bummer. What year forerunner was it? It was a ninety nine, so it was an older one. Oh. I'd had it for almost exactly a year. <laughs> <laughs> what was funny is that I got it and I was so stoked to have something that it was four wheel drive, so I could like drive it out somewhere into the woods, like if I was out like, you know, hiking or climbing or something like that, developing new climbs and easily be able to just sleep in the back of it without throwing a tent down that was the goal i didn't do that shit once <laughs> and I was like, this is my crag vehicle but i didn't fucking go out once and do that shit <laughs> god damn it <laughs> son of a bitch oh yeah and so then so then i ended up just getting a newer car instead but um Fancy! I got a 2017 Ford Fusion, and Ooh, fancy, yeah, newest car I've owned, and like easily like the most high tech one, like, <laughs> like fucking electric <laughs> everything. It's crazy. It's it does everything except massage your nuts while you're driving down the road. Oh. <laughs> 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 Ah, twenty twenty. That might be that might be a little distracting. <laughs> it could be right, and it's definitely one of those things you don't want to go on the fritz. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh! Imagine that customer service call. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Somebody hacks into your your nut massager and starts <laughs> fucking with you. That do you think that that's 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 going to be like a a concern someday? Because for sure we're gonna. I mean, there's sex robots right now. So you think on a long enough timeline, those are only going to get better. And does that mean at some point that they could you somebody could hack into your sex robot and turn it into an assassin robot? Oh, for sure, for sure, right? <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be how some corrupt corrupt politician gets killed. <laughs> I, I guarantee it. Uh, did you <laughs> see that? cover it up by? <laughs> so speaking of robots, did you see that episode of Black Mirror uh, with the robot dogs? No, it's like a like a post apocalyptic story where these people are like going into this warehouse um, to get something, and then they knock this box down, and then it like activates this like robot dog that basically has like a gun sticking out of its mouth, and it huh. like hits the person with like a, a barb. That's like a tracking device thing that they can't pull out of them. And so then all these other robot dogs in the area are alerted to it. And they're like getting chased by these things. And it's like a That's world scary. where basically these things have like gone bad. And so now these people are like living and hiding from these. I read a fucking uh, article earlier this week where they've actually legit invented these fucking things. And it's like, <laughs> are you crazy? 
Didn't you watch the episode? What are you doing? Exactly. It's uh, Meet Ghost Robotics, the Boston Dynamics of Combat Bots. It's like, no, no. (laughs) Did you guys not watch any sci-fi? We don't want combat robots, okay? Don't fucking do that. Don't build those Terminators. We don't want them. God, and this one looks exactly like a dog. And it's going to be used in the military. And it's like, no, nope, that's way too close to that Black Mirror episode. That's fucking terrifying. I've only seen, I think, four episodes of Black Mirror. Me too. I've only seen a handful of them. And almost every one of them have left me feeling like I needed a bath afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I think I watched the first three and the Star Trek one. Oh, see, I have not watched the Star Trek one yet. And that's that's one of the ones that's on my list. Just because yeah, it's got I, Jesse Jesse Plemons in the in the lead role, huh? It's really what, good. What was she in? Hmm. What? Um. I, I didn't recognize her name. Who? Jesse Plemons. Oh no, Jesse Plemons. He was in Game Night, and he was in Fargo season two. Oh, okay. I'd probably recognize him if I saw him then. Yeah, he he's one of Brian's favorites. So he's gets pointed out every time he's in something that Brian reviews. Oh, <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm like, I am terrible at like remembering like actors and directors and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm always terrible. Like, like that. No, that's always like my, my greatest fear is like being on a podcast and be like, well, what's your fan casting for this? And it's like, I don't know any names. <laughs> <laughs> the person who was in that thing from that year. <laughs> Or there'll be other random times where it's like, I'll remember an actor's name and they'll be like, oh, do you like that movie? I'm like, I never saw it. I just remembered this from the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know why my brain works the way it does, but here we are. (laughs) I have a few of those. Like, I can recite the entire cast of a movie that I've never seen or had any desire to see. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I'm very good at doing that sort of shit. And it's like, I don't know why. This is the lamest superpower in the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not so total recall no no and it's like this would be great if i made a living off like quiz shows or something <laughs> like maybe <laughs> <sighs> oh dude i've had a great time talking with you man me too man always i, I you're like you're one of my hi- you're one of my highlights every year at c2e2 oh so thank I, you I'm really yeah, I'm really glad we're able to do this. Yeah, I, I would say the same to you. You're one of those people that that every time I'm around, I'm I'm smiling. And like honestly, just when I pulled yeah. up Skype earlier, just your picture on Skype made me smile. <laughs> Where like it'd been so long since I'd done Starcast that like you know I get nerves before everything I do, and so I was getting nervous about this earlier. And then I pulled up Skype just to have everything ready to go way ahead of time. And I, I look at your picture and just immediately start smiling. I'm like, how can I be nervous about talking with Neil? And so I, I had Lindsay come in. I'm like, look at Neil's picture. Doesn't it just make you smile? And she's like, oh, I miss that guy. Tell him I said hi. Oh, tell her I said hi. I miss her too. No, it, it, it is. that. And she, she took that hilarious picture of us at the bar too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to put that up on the Starkcast page. Yeah. <laughs> such a funny drunk picture. And shenanigans. All oh, right. so drunk. It was such a funny picture. <laughs> you look so serious in it, too. 
<laughs> you got like your hand on my chest with like a seductive look on your face. <laughs> oh yeah. It is so fucking funny. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how C2E2 will sh- shake down next. I They have it scheduled for like a December, which yeah, is fucking terrible. December of 2021. It's like, are you serious? In Chicago in December? It, I mean, in it's already Mid-Dece- bad in February. And that's right before Christmas also. It's like, uh So, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll be able to figure out. Be- because for me, it's like going to, the, going to C2E2 is fun. But for me, it's like, I just want to go and hang out with my friends from the Leftover Army. Yeah, it's the people. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I could give two fucks less about going to the con. It's like, the, the con's cool because I like going to the panels and all that stuff. But yeah. on a whole, I'm not a huge fan of people. And so, like, being Same. around that many people is, like, not fun. But, yeah. man, I, I, I'd about just drive to Chicago just to go hang out in the fucking bar or, like, hang out in a hotel lobby or... Wherever the hang's yeah. at, that's just what I want to do. I just want to go and hang out with my friends from all over the world, you know? Well, we were talking about doing a get-together, hopefully in the spring, um, at somebody's hotel that they work at, renting out a convention room and doing, like, our own mini-con with just leftover Army people. That would be super fun. Yeah. Then then I'll, Brian mentioned something about uh, Wizard World in Chicago in June. So that's another possibility. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, and also, you know, hotel rooms are so expensive on that C2E2 weekend that yeah, know, maybe doing something like that where it's lower key and do it on like an off weekend, it would be more of a win-win for everybody. I mean, it's a little bit yeah, easier for I mean, me because I'm only like four hours away from Chicago, so I can just drive in easy. Yeah, I have to fly. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, but I know for a lot of you, it's a very different thing where it's like if you're fucking flying in, you know, you, you're there for all three days, maybe a little bit longer. And so that's going to turn into an expensive trip. Yeah. I mean, the last two years I've gone for a week. Um, like I leave, I arrive on a Wednesday and I leave the, fo- the following Tuesday. Um, just it's, it's made it a better experience the last two years than it was that first year. Uh, but then the Marables and Dan Ramirez and I were talking about doing a road trip for whenever we do this meetup thing if we do it. Oh, nice. Which would be super fun, too. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And hopefully it's hopefully it's sooner than later. And, and you know, with, with the, the news of the vaccine being released, hopefully, hopefully we're starting to hit a turning point. And, and we'll actually all be able to get together and see each other again sometime soon. That would be amazing. I mean, I, I miss all the, I miss people like not in general, but specific people. You know? <laughs> yeah, I totally <laughs> feel that. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, be able to hang out with friends without fear. Um, would be nice to have happen again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To just be able to go and see a friend that you haven't seen in a while and give them a hug Without thinking yeah. like, oh, geez, should I have not done that? And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, this has been a real fucking treat talking with you. And and I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and, and come on the show. And, and, and more importantly, giving me the kick in the pants and send me a text saying, when are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, my pleasure, man. I, I, I've been looking forward to it ever since you mentioned it long time ago and it just never 
you know, it came to fruition and I was hammered the other night and I was like, ah, well, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was just what I needed, man. In on, on, on many levels. Cause this is, this has been just a real treat to talk with you and, and, uh, I'm, I'm really glad we did it. Same. So, um, uh, do you want to plug your podcast anymore? Or? Sure. It's called Smorgasbord, a Star Trek universe podcast. Uh, we're on the social medias. Uh, Twitter is at Smorgasbord pod. Uh, Instagram is Smorgasbord underscore podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, email us at smorgasbordpod at gmail.com. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. That always helps. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun doing that with Steven. And we had Rebecca on once, and we did that crossover with Paul. We'll be doing more of that kind of stuff once Discovery ends in a few weeks. Yeah, good That's stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, because didn't you say you guys are going to do a, a Voyage Home episode with Paul also? Yeah, well, we're going to do Search for Spock, kind of the same format as we did Ratha Khan. And then Paul and I originally had talked about doing Voyage Home just on uh, Movies from the Heart. And then um, we're talking about maybe doing uh, Final Frontier with Rebecca as well as Paul. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Those would be great episodes. Those are all awesome people. Yes, they are. I love them all. <laughs> awesome. Well, okay, I'll keep a look, uh, look out for those. That'll be great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> I was just thinking, how the hell do I land these things? <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long. It's been so long. <laughs> I should have put the outro in my notes. <laughs> uh, no, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Starkcast. Cast.